everyone, and welcome to Macabre Podcast Universe. Well, the Macabre Podcast Universe. Um, the? There is a the. Okay. <laughs> Do you not know that? I, I never know. I mean, yeah. What is, who cares? This is the podcast to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the original. Yes, and we're starting a brand new series today. Uh, last time we were covering Fear Street. And we made several references to Scream. We did. Because the movie did. <laughs> right. The the movie is, uh, you know, without Scream, we don't have Fear Street, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so Fear Street is another m- series in the long line of slasher horror movies. Yes. And so we're, we're rewinding a little bit, and we're covering another slasher series, Scream. A series... I mean, dare I say right off the bat that you and I really enjoy a lot. All of them. All of them, yeah. They're super fun. Yeah. Um, I, I forget. Well, we'll get into it as we go. But I want to I wanna set the table. So, listener, you know, uh, whatever you're doing, you're making food, you're driving your car, you know, dim the lights, uh, light a candle, especially if you're driving a car, and, and prepare for a little story time. Okay, so um, there's this man, his name is Edvard Munch, or Munk, and he's a Norwegian man. And he, in 1863, makes this Unbelievable painting. already about this. Why? Keep going. Is this bad? No, keep going. He makes this painting. Yes. And the painting is commonly referred to as the scream. Yes. You've seen it. Yes. The hands against the face, and it's kind of smashed. And and you know, according to Wikipedia, uh, people, it's kind of viewed as like as um, uh 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 uh, where did the thing go that I was looking at? Crap. It, it is uh seen as the symbolizing the anxiety of the human condition. Okay, so this no no I think you'll like this. Come on. So um, is this a pun? Is this becoming a pun? This is not a pun. I'm telling a story. Okay, you are ruining this hardcore. Um, So then there's this company, and they are called. I'll do some editing at the beginning. Oh, is this the mask makers? (sighs) You're ruining my my story. Oh my gosh! You're just you gotta go, man. You gotta go. I'm gonna edit. I'm gonna edit. So there is this company called Fun World, and they in 1992 make a bunch of masks called the Fantastic Faces series. And so we have that little thread. Then we're going to go back to 1943, where and Alfred Hitchcock made a movie called Shadow of a Doubt. Have you seen it? Yes. Is it good? It's an early Hitchcock banger. It's a good one. Is it a horror? Or no, it's a thriller. Spooky? Okay. It's a thriller about like um, this uncle who comes back to town, and then there's suspicions of him maybe being a murderer. Fun. And you don't know if he is or not, but there's this beautiful home in it. And then there's this woman back, we're back in the 90s, and um, she, uh, her name is... You, you should have written this out. That you weren't stop, clicking stop, on links. stop, stop. Um, where is it? Where is her name? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so there's this woman, her name is Marion Madalena, and she is doing location scouting for the upcoming movie Scream. Okay. And she goes to this house that was used in Hitchcock's Shadow of a Doubt. And on a Newell post, she sees this mask. 
that Fun World made in 1992, just in this empty house where no, There's nothing else. There's a mask else. in an empty house? Just this mask that this company made based off of this Norwegian based painting. On. Based on this Norwegian painting. And she grabs it, and they don't wind up using the house in the movie, but she goes to Wes Craven and she goes, this mask is pretty cool. We should try and uh, do something with this for this movie. And Wes Craven, the director of Scream, goes, oh, I love this. We have to have this. But they don't have the rights to this mask. So they kind of make an alteration that they call the the peanut-eyed mask, and they shoot the opening of this movie. So it looks a little bit different. And because they couldn't get the rights to the mask, but then the company was like, okay, you can have the rights to the mask, and they use it for the rest of the movie. But the opening mask is different than the mask that's in the rest. You mean, like, literally what we see in the movie is different? The opening, yeah, with Drew Barrymore is a different different? mask. It has these eyes that look, they're like peanut-shaped, rather than just, like, the circular eyes. I've never noticed. Yeah. Have you? I have not noticed. Did you Um, notice when we watched it recently, or did you see this today? I saw this later. So, um... But let me confirm something really quickly. So I'm cutting myself off here to tell you that I did a little extra research just now, and I found that in the opening they use both Scream masks. So I'm assuming some of them were from the reshoots, and then some of them were the masks that they had to use when they shot the opening. Yeah, so so they told Craven he'd have to have a different mask, and um, the mask was used in the first few scenes in the movie. And then, and then they used the, the regular mask for all the rest of the movie. So um, that was supposed to be kind of a fun thing, but um, like a waterbed that's been punched, all the water was let out of that story. But uh, here we are. We're Sorry. talking about Scream. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> not to you, it's not. But to someone, <laughs> maybe it is. <laughs> so... What do you think about Scream? What was your experience with Scream? I wouldn't you to go first. Well, I need a little time to oh, digest. I, just want, I would like to offer that to you. Well. Dang it. <laughs> I've ruined this episode. <laughs> Should we start again? Start again? You want me to try and get through that story a second time? This is all staying in there, baby. Okay. Just go. Okay. So Scream, for, for me... Screen comes out in 1996, and I'm only two years old when it comes out. So obviously I didn't see it for a long time. Uh-huh. And by the time I was a kid, all I knew, I, I was terrified of the mask as a kid. Because I knew it meant that it, it was in some horror movie that I wasn't allowed to watch. Yeah. And I knew that it was like, it killed people. So it really scared me as a kid. Yeah. On Halloween, when we would be trick-or-treating and seeing some kids dressed up as it. And and to to interject because you asked this question last night, like, were you scared of that mask as a kid? Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't, uh, when I saw it, it was just kind of like, I don't know what that person's up to. I'm glad it's Halloween. If I saw this outside of Halloween, I think I'd be pretty freaked out. Sure. But I, it was just kind of like, that's a thing. I don't even think I knew that this movie existed until I was in high school. What? I just don't think I ever really heard about it. No one I knew, I mean, you know, like, Sheltered kid. I well, I grew up with like no horror influence at all, really. 
And then when I when kids at school were watching horror, it was movies that I wouldn't consider very interesting or good even now. What's a movie that scared you when you were a kid? That scared me? Yeah. I mean, I didn't I didn't really watch any. But even like Indiana Jones didn't scare you? Oh, yeah, Temple of Doom was crazy scary yeah. with the heart. And and the I, heart I mean, and the melting of people. I would was terrifying. I would still argue, I I still contend to this that I I think the T-Rex scene in Jurassic Park is for, from what I've seen the scariest scene I've ever seen ever. And as a kid you were terrified. I well I think it was too exciting. Yeah, I get that. I get but that. But I even today I watch an, another horror movie and I'm like I'm still not as scared as when I see the the T-Rex. The T-Rex is the scariest okay. scene. Cool. Um okay, yeah. So didn't mask terrified me and then once I became like a teenager uh that it was as if like my sister and I realized, oh my gosh, we can watch horror these movies that we weren't allowed to watch. Yeah. Um, so this is, sounds similar to like your Tim Burton experience, like Nightmare, where where although you I had like, seen that as a kid, I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. Until I was much older, but I, I just remember being we we rented the first one from Blockbuster mm-hmm. and watched it, and it was amazing. And it was scary, but like fun. It was so yeah, fun. Yeah. And then then we went back and rented the next two because I think the third one had the fourth one hadn't been out yet. That sounds right. And then we so I remember watching the second one, and I don't remember exactly what part, but it was a pretty scary part. And we were like, "Oh, let's go!" T-. We just got gotten a puppy, and we're like, "Let's go take the puppy outside for a minute." <laughs> but we were all like not willing to admit yeah, that we yeah. were scared. Yeah. Um. So that that's my. I guess experience with the series as a whole. It's just one of the first like horror series that I've seen all of. Yeah. And love it. Which is kind of funny because this movie is predicated on the assumption that you're very familiar with horror movies. Mm-hmm. And that's like 60% of the fun of this movie. Oh yeah, definitely. But I do, th- I mean, that's a testament to it. Like you can just watch this without horror movie knowledge and you can still, it's still a good story. I yeah, I mean they got the whole element with her mom her mom's murder. Yeah. And that that's really interesting. Yeah. It's uh so the first time I saw it was last year and we you and I watched all four of the movies. Mm-hmm. And I liked them a lot. Um and so this is the, my first time rewatching it. So I think right. it's cool. I mean this this would be very high on my list of horror. Mm-hmm. Like like Scream itself would probably be e- an easy like top 10 maybe top five yeah um although again i'm not as well versed in that as other genres but i'm getting there yeah i'm getting there um and then as far as series go i mean it's it's rare for a horror series to be interesting after one really so yeah um this would be like really high on that list and i think as you'll see listen as we go through them it's definitely like diminishing return like the more the farther you get in the series, it, none of them are as good as the first one, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you could make a strong argument for two, though. Two is really good, and it's so. But it's so great about it is like this. You know, this is all referential. So a sequel is like, well, this is a reference to sequels. Uh-huh. So it's just like it was handed right to them yeah. what the movie is going to be about. But um, so they're they're all they're all so fun. But I think what the farther you get, it is like, so what is ha- happening now? Because people are just getting stabbed because a person's yeah. trying to make some point in their ivory tower. Right. Kind of thing. But I, I do, fun, though. I have a feeling that the third one I'm going to like a lot more this time. 
because I've kind of thought about that movie while we were watching this one. Was the third well, one? we'll get into it later. Okay, we don't want to spoil it, but it is where they're making the movie. Oh, what's the second? Oh, the second one's college. Yeah. Right. So, um, so here we go. Let's get into some interesting stuff about this movie. Let's get into how it was made. So, to set the stage, you know, in the in the late seventies, you get the real big start of the slasher genre. I mean, we've had other movies like Psycho in the in 1960, mm-hmm. but Halloween is like that's where slasher really puts its foot down. A lot of the rules are set up that they're going to talk about in this movie. I mean, they have Halloween playing at the party in this mm-hmm. movie, which is not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, right around that time too, you have Friday the 13th uh, coming out, and and this is just setting the table. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. directed by Wes Craven, the director of this movie. And the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So you have all these movies that have a lot of sequels. Um, and by this point in like film history, these movies are like kind of tired. A lot of horror and slasher are just coming out direct to DVD. Right. I mean to video. Right. So there's not that what I'm trying to stress here is like this genre is kind of dead theatrically. Yeah. And then this movie is credited as, like, the revitalization of the slasher genre. Okay. Like, this movie comes out, and then slashers are popular again. Yeah. And it's just interesting, because it ha- what it had to do is literally, like, re, uh, uh, reinvent the genre. Yeah. Even though at the end of the day, they are still following a lot of the tropes, but they did have to break, like, certain rules mm-hmm. to in order to get there and, and elevate it to something else. Mm-hmm. Do you... Is the slasher genre still going strong? I don't know. I think we're really obsessed with possessions right now. And yeah. Exorcisms. I think that's what we're into right now. Uh, and that's what's just still coming out. Because you got... I mean, because like the the most recent craziness that's happened is The Conjuring. Yeah. And since that, we've had so many Conjuring movies, Annabelle uh, the nut, you know, like, I mean, I'm talking specifically about that franchise, sure. but even from that, you have like the last exorcism of Emily Rose or whatever that, you know, that's what I think we're into right now. And then I think we're still pretty into the gore fest. Yeah. I mean, I suppose uh, by the time this episode comes out, like Halloween kills will have come out and Halloween, the, the, f- mm-hmm. th- not the first one, but the, the Halloween that came out a couple of years ago was a huge success. So I guess yeah. Slasher is still king in a lot of ways. What is interesting is, is what you told me. Uh-huh. Oh, no, I actually recently listened to it to, as well. But um, on Blank Check, a podcast we reference probably it's way been, too often. It's been a long time since we've referenced. Okay. But they're recently going through John Carpenter, and John Carpenter did hol- – he made Halloween. Uh-huh. Um, and it is like without Halloween, I don't know if you get this movie. Well, you don't get this movie. No, so, no, not at all. Um, yeah, John Carpenter does Halloween. You don't get Scream without Halloween. You don't get so many slashers without Halloween. And what's really interesting thing that they said on that podcast is horror fans in general will kind of just watch anything. Sure. And I think that's why we get so many sequels. One, not only that, like a lot of these horror movies that we've gotten through the last couple of decades have been really cheap to make. I mean, that's what Insidious was all about was it was really cheap blumhouse makes cheap movies therefore they see our only insidious last year yeah, season but therefore they can only make more make their money back and more 
Yeah. So it's I, in a way it's like easy for them to be a success, but not maybe not for longevity. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, but I, I, I just think that that is so true about horror fans mm-hmm. that they'll watch the worst horror movies. Yeah. But it's as if like, I've seen that movie. Let's, let's all rant about how bad it is. Cause it's fun. Right. Or it's just fun to watch a horror movie because like, I mean, I watched a Nazi zombie mo- horror movie in the woods of these people stuck in a shack and it was so gory and so now, ridiculous. What was that movie called? I don't remember. I've but seen it as well. This person like was being chased by one of them and got hurt, but kept running and looked back and their intestines Dead were stuck. Snow, I think is what that's called. Oh, okay. I don't remember the name at all, yeah. but their intestines are like stuck to a tree, like right. <laughs> like 20 feet away, yeah. like ridiculous. So that, what am I, where am I going with that? Well, I don't know where you were going in regards to this movie, but um, we were kind of t- also talking about the current state of horror. Yeah. Um, I, I do think... I guess I'm just saying I'm, I'm done with the Conjuring movies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the other thing that's happening now is there's a lot of, like, really... I'm going to put this in quotes because I don't really believe in this term for art, but, like, there's elevated... I mean, I don't believe this for horror. There's elevated horror movies, like your A24s, your Get Out, your Us. Yep. Like, those movies that we quote call elevated horror, even though I think that that's stupid to call them that. But... Uh, you know, indie, kind of, kind of, maybe a little more. They're not following like a well, horror you just, just, formula. You just said two movies that are about cultural. They're they're like metaphors for cultural things that are happening. Yeah. So they they are that that's almost like a genre. Yeah. And and this movie in the series is about horror movies. Mm-hmm. So it's just referencing things. Yeah. And uh, so so then the other setting of this movie, and and I could have this wrong. But I think that that this movie comes out in a perfect time where movies weren't necessarily referencing movies to establish things. Yeah. You know? Do you do you know what I'm saying? No. Like like this movie not only like re- revitalized the slasher, but I think it brings this idea of like like the writer of this movie grew up watching movies. I'm sure, and now we have this new generation who's watched all these movies and they can make movies that reference and talk about movies they saw when they grew up mm-hmm. much much like in a in a different way how like uh you know we're we're still kind of in the like 80s nostalgia thing where everything references the 80s mm-hmm. um but but to a lesser extent you, like th- this movie is like a, a, a an early deadpool kind of thing where yeah. where it's and i don't know if there's many movies that are like that pre-1996 that are saying like hey look at all those movies behind us that's why we did this in this movie this movie is so meta that it's it knows it's a movie because right i mean at one point a character says like guys 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 you don't know you don't know what horror movies are at all if you don't know how to survive like you have to know how to survive a horror movie right as (laughs) if that guy knows that they're in one yeah that's crazy yeah, Randy, right? That's his, yeah, his name. He's so. he's the best, and I just—it's great seeing myself on screen. Yeah, and Abed <laughs> on screen. Yeah. yeah. But um, okay, so I'll jump into the the people now that we've set the table. Uh, Wes Craven is the director. He did Last House on the Left. That was his first movie. Mm-hmm. He did The Hills Have Eyes, Swamp Thing. He did The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, I didn't the, know that. The early one. Yeah, I've never seen it. That was also that's either. also been a movie my whole life from kid on where it's like that's too scary, right? Yeah, that's 
That yeah, I've thought the same thing. And, and I think now I could watch it, although I've just forgotten it exists. Mm-hmm. But it part of the reason I've never seen it is because of a childhood fear of it, because they right. eat people, or or they're they're mutants. I you know yeah. I just don't even really know what it is because I've been too scared as a kid. Yeah. And then he did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which you recently watched. Yeah. And you, it was it, awesome. And I loved it. And it was just so cheesy. And Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp's first role, it was introducing Johnny Depp in the credit. Oh, love, love to see so that. Fun. He's got these little buck teeth. And he's, he's like the hot boyfriend, which is just a role he'll never play again, yeah, it feels yeah. like. And um, it, it was one of those movies where... I tried watching it in high school with my friend Sydney and we hated it so much that we turned it off, (laughs) which is so just ridiculous of us. Um, And then, so watching it this time, I was kind of thinking like, okay, I kind of remember how, like why high school Jordan turned this off. And then Freddie came on screen yeah, and like start the effects started happening, and I was like, I love Freddy Krueger. <laughs> this guy is freaking awesome. He's got the Pennywise effect where I can't, I, I want so much more of him right 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 so the the it's like by the end of the movie it's like this is incredible this is so cool (laughs) so okay so Wes craven uh the movie's written by kevin williamson who who wrote scream i know what you did last summer scream 2 and scream 4 uh the cinematography is mark irwin but we're gonna put a big asterisk next to his name because of some stuff we're gonna talk about later uh, who did Old School, RoboCop 2, and There's Something About Mary, amongst other things. And then here's what's crazy, Jordan. The the person who did the music to this is Marco Beltrami. Does that name sound familiar? No. Well, we talked about him last week because he did the Fear Street movies. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Very so cool. they got him. That's awesome. Uh, the budget... Well, so the movie comes out December 20th, 1996... And it has a $15 million budget. Domestically, it earns $103 and worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Can you start over with the budget? Because I missed it. <laughs> and then tell me how it made $103. It, so the budget is $15 million. Got it. Domestically, it makes $103 million, <laughs> Okay. Not $103. If it only made $103, we wouldn't be talking about it right no, now. No, we would not be. Um and then worldwide, it makes $173 million. That's massive. But here's what's crazy. So Bob Weinstein, who is the brother of He Who Shall Not Be Named, who is also a producer on this movie, but Bob Weinstein is very involved in this production. And they were going for a Christmas Day release, or a Christmas weekend, hence 1220. And the studio's are like, that's such a bad idea. But he was trying to counter-program for all the family movies. Got it. But the first weekend, this movie domestically makes $6.4 million. <gasps> so what is it, word of mouth? But with such good word of mouth, every week it just kept climbing and climbing. And so That doesn't it, happen often. No, it opened at number four and kept climbing. Most of the time, movies, like if they're going to be big hits, they open at one it's just it's doesn't happen often where a movie actually climbs the box office. They always I go down. How how um often that happens with horror movies? Yeah, where, where they make they end up making more money later than in the beginning. 
weekend wise. Weekend yeah, weekend yeah, is what I mean. I I don't have that information, but that is something to ponder. <laughs> Me neither. But Maybe that's we need the Bo Boys on. Well, didn't they say in the Halloween episode? So Halloween comes out. Uh huh. And that movie is it was like a three hundred thousand dollar budget. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. It was so low, even by the even by nineteen seventies standards. Yeah. That. It sounds like the movie came out and it was such a massive success that they took it out of theaters and put it back in theaters with like updates. Like like to to, to, oh, to make yeah. it to give it an actual like like a boost. Push. Yeah. I I feel like they said that on the episode which is just like that well that's never happened in my lifetime that I remember. I I know movies have been taken out and put in back in, put back in but it's like so Endgame can make the most money out of all the movies. Right, it's like a movie that's already yeah. exploded. Yeah. So nothing that is just so crazy. Yeah, and you know what is also crazy? So, like, Halloween, Michael Myers is a William Shatner mask that they found, and they did it. This is, like, another mask that you could have just bought. And then, like, Jason Voorhees is a hockey mask. So there's something about the familiarity and it just being off a little bit that's scary. That and it's a mask that I can go buy at a store. That means anybody can be behind that mask. That's what's scary about it. Right, right. And that's what's so about halloween and later on why halloween was such a crazy phenomenon is because it could happen in your neighborhood yeah prior to that there weren't a lot of movies like that Uh where it can be in your backyard you gotta lock your doors don't trust your neighbors they could be michael meyer like you you don't know that's the that's what's so cool and i i think this movie kind of expounds upon that idea and reinvigorates it because it is kind of like we can just see that mask. Like in a in a couple of weeks when Halloween's here, we may see that mask walking around, you know? Yeah. The the ghost face mask. So here's a question. Yeah. When you first saw it a year ago, did you yeah. know it was two people? No. no. Were you pretty surprised? I, I couldn't figure out the movie. Yeah. But I as we know, I try not to. I like to be surprised. But um I I mean, the boyfriend is like so suspicious, so yeah. so so suspicious. And then I, th- I think the first time I was watching it, I kind of was feeling like maybe Randy's got something to do with this. But then there's so much stuff with the dad. But it's that thing that you always talk about. You reference the Dwight Schrute where he says, "It's never who you most expect. It's never who you least expect. It's who you medium suspect." Yeah. Um, and that alone is like, well, I don't know. Is like her friend doing it? But then her friend gets killed. Is right. So I couldn't figure it out. And then Billy gets killed. And then Billy gets killed. I think I was pretty like, it's him, it's him. And then he gets killed. I think they want you to think that at that point in the movie. Yeah. And and I'm sure there have been plenty of people, I'm sure, who are like, figured it out right off the bat. But the fact that it's two killers is pretty clever. That's like the first time I've seen something like that. Yeah, I think now it's been done a lot. But but maybe then, like, no one in the theaters would have guessed that. You yeah. Know? And, and... What's also a brilliant thing to to cue this movie off is you have so when this movie's coming out, they're advertising it like, "Hey, Drew Barrymore's in this new movie, right? Called Scream. You can see Drew Barrymore. We all love. She's huge. Like we yeah. all love Drew Barrymore. You know, there's also Nev Candle Campbell. There's some other people, but Drew's in this, and so people go to this movie. And I was looking up Reddit of people who had seen it when it came out. Oh yeah. And all these people w- were talking about how like they were expecting her to be in the movie, like the lead character. She's on the cover of the movie, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And then she's killed in seven minutes or whatever. Yeah. And then so right away it's kind of like what what is going on? Yeah. 
and and that establishes like no one's off limits. If we're gonna kill like America's darling, like anyone can die in this, mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's 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 great. So, um, uh, okay, so Courtney Cox wanted to be play a quote bitch, okay, because she'd been in Friends and everyone loves her and stuff. She's so friendly. Yeah, so she wanted to like come out and be horrible in a movie, like be a jerk. Yeah, cool, great casting. I think. I think so too. I think she's, she's really, really good. good. I think she's good in all of them. Like I think really so good too. in all of them. Um, the movie was originally titled Scary Movie. Oh, but then Scary but then, Movie was already out. No, <laughs> Scary Movie is kind of based off of based, based on. on Scream. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Um. But Wes Craven, he's originally given the script to this movie. He reads it, and he's like, I don't want to do another horror movie. But really? then, well, or no, he does want to do another horror movie because he was making a remake of The Haunting. Um, but it starts just not working out. Mm. And then he hears Drew Barrymore signed on to do this movie, Scream. So he's kind of going, huh? And then he runs into a 10-year-old yeah, who says to him, Wes, you, you like... Your movies don't have the the oomph that they used a to. A ten year old told him that. A ten year old. He he said he says I wish you'd make movies like Last House on the Left again. A ten year old saw <laughs> yeah. Last House on the Left. This is as Who, the legend goes. What happened to this ten year old when he grew up? I'm concerned. Well, I don't know. But after that, the Drew Barrymore thing, and then the haunting production that he's working on getting shut down, he goes, "Okay, I'm going to direct this movie." And um, a 10 year old. (laughs) Well, let's get past that part of it. But Kevin Williamson, the writer, he writes 18, uh, an 18 page treatment about this woman being terrorized on the phone. Mm -hmm. He's an up. He he wants to get writing going. He's not being able to pay his bills. So he goes away to Palm Springs and hides away for like a weekend, three days and writes the entire script and then starts like shopping it around. Crazy to me that people can do that. I know. It is crazy, but the script is like, it's hot. When when it starts going around Hollywood, everyone wants it. Oh, that's that's great. That's what you want. Why don't you tell me a little bit about Kevin Williamson's inspiration? So yeah, I saw that article that I read in that he, yeah, at the time was a struggling um, screenwriter and actor. Oh, okay. I think he just been trying to get into Hollywood. I did not realize that. Um, So he is inspired by the serial killer Danny Rowling who went on a killing spree in a weekend in the, in 1990. Um, and what's interesting is when you read about him, that what he's, what he did and everything that the serial killer, it's like, how does this uh, inspire this movie? And uh-huh. from what I can tell the, the writer just became so engrossed in this guy. Okay. That the only thing I can under- get from it is, I want to make a movie about a serial killer. And then maybe as he's thinking about it, as he's writing it, he's just putting all these references into it. Cause the, <laughs> the, the killer itself, I mean, he did really horrific things, went on a killing spree, killed, I, I think around like eight people. Uh-huh. Um, but if you like read what he did, it's like, I don't get how this inspires this movie. So it's not like he was calling people and terrorizing them. No, or he didn't stabbing even, them he or... did stab people. Like that, that's how he pretty much killed people, uh-huh. but he didn't like wear a mask or anything. Hmm. He did kill teen, oh, not teenagers, but like college students. So young people. Yeah. But I just, I just wonder if 
it's just an interesting time in, in history, too, because I feel like currently, right now, uh, America is becoming, not becoming, is pretty obsessed with true crime. I think yeah. we've been obsessed with true crime for a much longer than just right in this current moment. But it's because of like the the popularity of podcasts. You know, uh-huh. there's a million true crime podcasts. Which, I out mean, there. in general, podcasts suck, right? Well, in general, like, but the true crime variety, the worst. <laughs> but um, but don't get me started on movie podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I just wonder if. You know, true crime's always been kind of an evergreen just thing that people are interested in. People are interested in how serial killers tick. So yeah. maybe this this guy is in the news and he did these really horrific things and this guy gets wrapped up in this story uh-huh. and reading everything he can, watching the news on this guy, and it's just like, How does this make this person tick? This is so crazy. And then it's maybe like, I wanna write a movie about why someone would tick that way. Huh. Because the guy isn't even inspired by movies. You read yeah. about this guy's childhood, and it's like he had a pretty traumatic childhood, the yeah. serial killer. And from everything that I've read, he didn't like start killing people because he watched Halloween. Okay. Or, yeah. Or something like that. He just, he had severe issues huh. that he acted out through killing people and doing well, more. So, uh, sorry, I didn't No, mean that's, to... yeah. Well, it, it is that is kind of nice because sometimes with with serial killer stuff, and this is how I feel a lot of uh, oh, oh, even though I haven't watched like any of this stuff, that's how I feel about a lot of the Ted Bundy stuff. Anytime there's a new Ted Bundy, because you know there's like three or four or five movies now. I mean, there's so many movies, right? Um, and th- there is a point where it's like, are we exploring this character or are we exploiting victims at this point? Right. And it's kind of nice that that what you're saying is like he Kevin Williamson. Read, like read about this guy and then he's like okay now i'm gonna like make up something yeah. he, he didn't like make it truly about this guy you know what i'm saying no no you're right because it feels like this an- is not exploiting victims it's more like oh <laughs> serial killer that's well, a good idea i think it's interesting too because i think like scream it has a lot to do about like te- just being a teenager as well yeah. it's not just about horror movies but it's about being a teenager and with a, not for everyone but for some at that point in your life when you're a young adult you think you're just hot s and nothing (laughs) nothing can affect you you you're popular in high school therefore you rule the world right therefore you can get away with anything right because that that part in the movie when what's that actor's name now i'm doing what you did which actor jaggy oh uh matthew lillard matthew lillard at that part in the movie when he's like sitting down and just dying Oh my gosh. And she like called the police and he's like, did you really call the police? And she's like, you bet I did. And he's like, my mom and dad are going to be so, he's like whining. That, but but it's like scene is really, really, um, that scene is maybe the scariest scene for me. I I think so too. His acting, cause he's so over the top the whole movie and I love his performance. Yeah. But that scene is like, it's a little too realistic. I feel like I'm actually looking at someone dying. It's a, it kind of freaks me so out. Good. Yeah. And I, I think like in that moment, it's like, oh, he never thought he was going to get caught. Yeah. Never thought. And the other guy didn't either. Yeah. They just, I mean, but that's kind of the whole serial killer thing, which I think I've said before in this podcast is just the, the, the more a, kill, a psychopath gets away with something, uh-huh. the more that they think that they know that they will not get caught. That's when killers get lazy and mm-hmm. make mistakes or, yeah, yeah, they just like start become getting that co- god complex that they actually right. really have. But it, it's that's just an interesting thing that's in that movie. I think that it is captured well totally. in the movie. Totally. 
Um, so another thing about Kevin Williamson and this script is you can look up interviews and stuff, and he basically says, you know, I had this idea, and when I was writing it, I knew that I had to do this quickly because this movie was like an inevitability. Yeah, like someone was going to write this story. That makes sense. So it had to be me. <laughs> and um, apparently a ton of directors were approached for this movie. And according to Williamson, he says like a lot of them just didn't get it. Okay. And I get that. I get it's like it's like I could see you reading the script going, wait, is this funny? Wait, is this? And I think Wes Craven balances this movie perfectly mm -hmm. because th there are parts like the Matthew Lillard death scene where it's kind of like. This is, like, there are consequences. This doesn't feel good, but I was kind of, like, laughing and having fun just a second ago. Right. And it's very, it's a very weird movie. Right. It is not standard by any means. Um, so that makes sense to me, actually, that a lot of directors would be like, I don't get it. I'm not going to direct this movie. It's crazy high concept. <laughs> One of it the really highest. Is. Um, and then, so... This this will be something I'm going to talk about for quite a bit here. Um, they like right off the bat, people reading the script, everyone's just like, "Can you tone down the violence of this movie?" Like like when they got this movie edited, they turn it into the MPAA, a notoriously kind of stupid organization, to rate the movie, and th they're saying things like, "You know, tone down the violence." Oh, there's a part at the end where they're getting stabbed. You can do that part, but you need to cut the scene where the we can see blood moving, like when they're stabbing each other. Mm. And they're coming up with these weird. Mm -hmm. th that's what's so weird about them. They just have these arbitrary rules that don't really mm -hmm. correlate. And so the opening scene, he, he turns it in. Um, let me see. I just thought of a funny joke for the NPA. Yeah, and <laughs> what? Uh, you know how in childhood. Like this is something you and I have talked about a lot where you're watching the Sim I'm just going to directly reference from your life. Uh -huh. You're watching the Simpsons for your week and you're a kid <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. no, like, no, like your mom's making you turn it off or anything. Uh -huh. And then literally the next week your mom says, we don't watch the Simpsons in this house. What are you doing? Right. That's the MPA. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, that does make sense because it's not, it's not like filmmakers who are members of the MPAA. It's parents. Uh -huh. That is like their thing. I don't know if it's still that way, but so they say, okay, we're going to give this an NC-17, which is theatrical suicide. Yeah. If your movie gets NC-17, you're not making money. So like Bob Weinstein and um, Wes Craven are like racking their heads trying to figure this out. And um, they say the opening to this movie is too intense. That is their reasoning for like the NC-17 after he's already cut, you know, like certain... Hmm elements of violence and they say it's too intense what kind of reasoning is that but then he goes he says well and he's just lying to them he says um we didn't film any other takes of like there are no usable takes of this drew barrymore opening this what? is all we have yeah and so then they're kind of like okay but we don't know and then bob weinstein like goes to them and has a meeting and he explains to them i think you guys are missing that this is satirical it is horrific, but it's also a comedy, and it's funny. And then they finally grant the movie an R rating. Jeez, <laughs> but it that's was crazy in ordeal. And it's just—I mean, part of it is you know we're we're almost thirty years after this movie. Don't say that. <laughs> we're almost that. Well, we're twenty-five years after the movie. Actually, that's better, I guess. Um, 
And it's just like movies that are rated R are like this violent, like base level. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, no one's like arm got chopped off in this movie. No, but there are a lot of intestines in this movie. I wouldn't say a lot. Or I guess just the opening scene has yeah. intestines. Uh, so I got a few more. It's just a big movie. You gotta, you gotta cover some of this stuff. I don't know anything about production in this movie. I, for once, I'm interested. For once? <laughs> but basically, like I said earlier, Barrymore signs onto this movie and that's like the floodgates opening. Sure. And all these actors are now like, yeah, I want to be in this movie. Yeah, Barrymore's going to be in like, it. Yes, I do. Got it. She was going to be Nev Campbell's role. That's but not then, my question, but great. Oh, okay, but then they're having there's like some scheduling conflicts, and she then doesn't have time to commit to doing the full role. Oh, that's cool that she still got to do something, and she stayed signed on, yeah. and still did it. And I, I think it's just such a brilliant way to open the movie. Oh, it's. But what's your yeah, question? Great. Oh, if if she was specific, if, if they wanted specifically a big actor for that opening scene specifically a big actor that was going to confuse everybody i think it became a byproduct sure because she signed on before there was a director to this movie that's right and then she was gonna be a main character like she was gonna be sydney like the whole movie and then it's just like oh you can't do it anymore and she's going but can i still be in the movie i want to still be in it yeah they go well why don't you do this it's much less of a time constraint and you'll be remembered for the rest of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, the Matthew Lillard uh, is accompanying his girlfriend to an audition, and this is like a made-up Hollywood story. Is how this feels. He's dropping his girlfriend off at an audition, and he's in the hallway. And the casting director to this movie sees him and says, "Hey." You got a good look. I think you should what? audition for this movie that we're doing. You hear stuff like that a lot, though. I know. It's that crazy. Hap- that actually happens to people. So wait, was he an actor? That I'm not sure of. That would be... We'll find <laughs> actually, that out on I your side. I should know the answer to that. <laughs> That's crazy, though. But it's... She, was she auditioning for this movie or just... No, she, it was a different movie. Yeah. She, they were just like at the casting offices. Yeah. And, and the casting director to this movie just sees him. And what's, what's even crazier... You look like a real killer a real loser <laughs> but what's crazy about this is like you watch this movie and he's uh one of the best performances uh-huh. maybe the best um but it's kind of hard to argue because i really love like four or five of the performances mm-hmm. in this movie um and it's david arquette <sighs> well we're gonna talk about him but it feels like uh that sort of decision wouldn't result in such a good performance in a movie you know what i mean like like a happenstance thing happening um so then as the movie's being filmed uh uh bob weinstein is like i don't like this ghost face mask it's not very scary and then upon reviewing the dailies of the opening scene like like at this point the movie's like this isn't gonna work yeah this isn't gonna work and then they send him the opening scene and he's like, okay. <laughs> like, he's he leaves with his, his face is completely lost all color. Yeah. I'm scared. Yeah, he's like, okay, this this is great. But at first, uh, like, they were getting to a point where it's like, I think we're going to have to fire Wes Craven. Like, this movie's not coming what? together. Really? And, and it, like, um, the studio was just concerned that the the film was, like, starting to go off the rails. And then they, they put a rough 13-minute cut of the opening scene, sent it to the studio slash Bob Weinstein, 
And then they were like, okay, it's fine. Go for it. And, <laughs> this, and the ghost face mask is scary. We're good. Dang. Um, the DP of this movie, who I talked about earlier, the director of photography, I guess, and I don't notice it, but a, a lot of what he filmed was blurry. Um, and so a week before the movie was done filming, he was fired That's because they're, crazy, they're yeah. reviewing the footage and they're like, this is out of focus. What's going How on? How does that happen? I have no idea. That is because they watch, they watch dailies at the end of the I day. Know. They often watch what they shot. I know. And I didn't notice this movie looking strange. The only thing I noticed is how much fisheye lens is used. Yes. Which I don't understand. I have some thoughts. So okay. we're going to get to that. Um, I'm getting close-ish. Uh, Peter Deming finished the movie, the cinematography. Um, How do you finish that? Well, you know, he just comes on and then he shoots the last week of filming. Hmm. And then, uh, oh, this is my last one. Skeet Ulrich, who is the boyfriend in this movie. Scoot McNary's son. (laughs) Just based on the name, right? (laughs) Uh, When he gets stabbed by the umbrella, they missed the vest that he had on. Um... And the second time he was stabbed, because I think it's two quick stabs, um, it impacted a wound he had from an <gasps> open heart surgery. <gasps> and Are you so serious? That the the look of pain on his face is not uh, him acting in that scene. Did he get rushed to the hospital? I didn't have that in my notes, but oh I'm sure he did. Oh my gosh, I'm, that is so terrifying. <laughs> yeah, like reopened a wound. <gasps> That is so scary. I know. It's like, we're just playing. <laughs> I know, it's, it's like, so oh, bad. I might die. <laughs> yeah. So um, that is Scream. Oh, but I should say one more thing. It did inspire a lot of copycat murder slash attempted murders. Something to know, especially this movie being about people who are inspired by movies. And then so this is did, a movie. What did you see about that? Like young kids who were, who saw this movie and then like stabbed people and in, like, and ran the, around in like the... in Ghostface and like stabbed people. I saw I saw three instances. One one resulted in a death, and oh. then I think the other two the people lived. But that's so scary. And you know that kind of that's like when it was coming out and the, there were people just walking around like walking around as stalking clowns people and, as yeah. clowns. But it's it's that weird, and it brings up that debate of like does film the violence of film like inspire people to do bad things and what kind of responsibilities does a director or a creative team have? Yeah. You know, and I'm not, I don't know how to answer those questions. Me neither. But, um, but I, lo- I love this movie. Can of worms. <laughs> I know, it's, it's a huge, huge can of worms. Getting into actors. Ah. <laughs> uh, we have Drew Barrymore, as we talked about. Um, she is in Never Been Kissed, Firestarter, Fifty First Dates, Charlie's Angels. You know her? You love her, I guess. Um, E.T. Oh, E.T. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite Barrymore. Me too. Well, maybe this is my favorite actually, Barrymore, Never actually. Been Kissed is actually a cute movie. I haven't seen from it. From my memory. Um and then Nev Campbell plays Sydney. Um, she is in the other Scream movies, Wild Things. Oh, that is that that movie? If you want to cut this out, that's totally fine. Uh-huh. Wild Things is that crazy movie where there's where Matt Dillon has a threesome with her and the other actress, and it what? is like I don't understand how it's not porn. Have you seen it? I they were, I think we were watching a Sopranos episode where the kids were watching it. 
or no, no, no. Or I was watching Pen Fifteen. I think we were. I was watching Pen Fifteen. You got Sopranos and Pen Fifteen confused because it's two. It's it's two shows where there are <laughs> adolescent children who are watching a movie, and they their mom thinks they're watching this movie, but actually they got their older brother to rent that movie. Okay, when that, did that happen in Sopranos? Me, it's probably Pen Fifteen. That I'm thinking of because there's an episode where they're where they're all hanging out. It's girls with boys, and it's so crazy that they're hanging out with boys. Uh huh. And they're the the one of the boys' brothers rented this movie, and they were like, "Oh, that's the movie with the threesome with blah 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 blah." And I'm oh, like, weird. What? I've never heard of this movie before." And it showed like a shot. It didn't like really show it. Yeah. But it showed part of that scene, uh-huh. and I was like, "What the f is this movie?" And it was. Just so funny because they're all 13, 14 year olds with so much sexual tension going the, on. The, the ones in the show, not in the movie. In the show. Okay. Who are watching the movie. Yeah. It's just like clearly, even they probably don't want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. But they, you know, it's like a rite of passage sort right. of thing. And like, I think two of the characters, the two main characters, I think like two boys are there that they both really like. And one of them like wants to kiss them. And it's a big <laughs> deal. It's so fun. Um, I'm definitely not cutting that out of the You're episode. Not? No okay. way. So, okay. <laughs> okay, she's also in House of Cards. Yeah. She's in Hot Air, Castle in the Ground, Skyscraper. Castle in the Ground? Wow. Yeah. Just because there's Castle in the Sky. That has Nat Wolf in it, I guess. Wow. I've never heard of that movie before. She is so good in this. And House of Cards, she's amazing. She's good in everything I've seen of her, which actually I don't think is very much. Yeah. I, I I just don't think I've watched a lot of the shows that she's in. Yeah. I, I told Jordan when we were watching it. Well, it, it was funny. When the, the movie starts after the Barrymore scene, we see Nev Campbell. And you said, she's just too beautiful to be a high school student. I actually and specifically said hot. Hot. You said hot. And you said her jawline is just so great. And then jawline I... Jawline meaning... Well defined because yes. she's an older person. Yes, I know. Um, and I, I said, uh, while watching this, like before you had said that, I, I had in my mind like, oh man, if I was younger, or I mean older, and like born in the eighties, this would have been like, I got to get a Nev Campbell poster for my room. You're gross, kind of a thing, because yeah. she is smoking. <laughs> gross. <laughs> no, she's she's a very uh pretty and beautiful person. She is indeed. Um, Courtney, Come on the show, but don't please don't listen to this because then I'll be so embarrassed. Yeah, me too. Jeez. <laughs> um, so then Courtney Cox is Monica and friends. Like I needed to tell anybody that. Um, obviously, that is her biggest claim to fame. But of course, she's also in Cougar Town. Yeah. Um, and then Modern Family. She's in Shameless. She's just in a ton of TV. She's in Scrubs for a second. Courtney Cox. Yeah. And then... This is probably her most successful foray into film. That I'm aware of. Yeah. And then Ski Ulrich plays Billy. It is, I'm sure, when they were casting for this movie, thought, who can we get that best captures Johnny Depp? Like, from Nightmare, like, old Johnny Depp. Or young Johnny no, Depp. I, I don't. I don't think that young. Because Nightmare okay, on okay. Elm Street Johnny Depp was before he was spooky and... Yeah. He even talks like Johnny Depp in this movie. Like he also the, talks like Rami Malek, in my opinion. Yeah, we're not going to bring up Rami Malek today. I Why just, not? I just don't have the energy to try and figure out if I think he's a great actor or one of the worst. He's a great actor. Actors. 
Well, I don't have the energy right now. I have the energy anytime. Um, So Ski Ulrich (laughs) is also in The Craft, Into the West, Armored, show all these shows I've never watched or heard of. What has he been in recently? Riverdale. Besides Riverdale. Bronzeville. Don't know what that is. Um, And then hashtag freer. No. (laughs) Hashtag free Ray (laughs) Sean. I know that I've seen him in other stuff. I don't think I have. I think I've seen him as like an older person now. Like in things. He's only like as old as. Not old, but I meant older compared to this movie. I think I've seen him in things. Because I I, I recognize that name outside of this, you know? I don't. I thought it was funny that when I saw his name. Because it's reminding me of Scoot McNary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then Rose McGowan plays Tatum. Yeah. Her best friend. She is in Planet Terror, Grindhouse, Charmed, uh, The Sound, does some voice acting. Um, and she's also in Once Upon a Time. Oh, okay. That is Rose McGowan. So she is one of the people who kind of started the Me Too movement. Oh, really? And, you know, the producers of this movie. Yeah. So this could potentially be where a lot of that stuff started. Oh wow. Not to I didn't know I didn't know that. Not to bring down the mood, but uh her I don't I haven't seen her in hardly anything and her profile picture on IMDb looks so much different than she looks in this movie. She looks like um the the lady who is in the father, Olivia. Oh, Olivia Coleman. Yes. Yeah, her, she does. Her profile, her profile picture, picture does. yeah. And so I did not realize that that was the same person. So I had a kind of a light bulb oh, moment right now. Cause I remember just like reading articles and seeing that picture. Oh, okay. So, um, but yeah, there's, she's, she's been in the limelight for a while and anyway. Yeah. Um, and then Matthew Lillard plays Stuart. Um, he is as everyone should know and love. Shaggy, yeah, in the live action Scooby Doo movie, we have to do that on Patreon. We, we need to cover. To. I, Should we do it after Kill Bill? Let's do it. I freaking loved that movie. So, but I know that that it is impossible to love it today. I don't know if that's true because James Gunn wrote the second movie. Okay, so here's here's what we're saying right now, folks. Patreon.com slash m i c a h m c c a w Micah McCaw. This month, the the first Wednesday of October, we're covering Kill Bill Volume 2. But next month, November, the first Wednesday, we will come out with Scooby-Doo, the live-action movie. And then in December, the first Wednesday, we're coming out with Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. And we're going to talk a lot about James Gunn and a lot about Matthew Lillard. So you need to sign up, okay? Yeah. There's important things to talk about. He's as old as my mom. Really? Yeah, that's crazy. So he's 25? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to score points with my mother-in-law. Uh, he's also in The Descendants. It looks like he's in the the most recent installment of Twin Peaks. Well, 2017. Oh. Is that the most recent? I think so. Um, he's also in Good Girls, Bosch. He's, he, play, he voices Shaggy in a lot of the cartoons. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's, That's very, very cool. fun. Um, he's in Barskins. Robot Chicken, Teen Titan Go. Oh, he plays Shaggy in that. And he has really embraced that character. I love that. Good for him. I also just, he especially warm place in my heart because uh-huh. 
because of him playing Shaggy. Because when I was a kid, Scooby Doo was my favorite cartoon. Yeah, me and I, too. Specifically, oh my gosh. Shaggy was my favorite character. Me so, too. <laughs> for real? Yeah. Well, I mean, Scooby Doo was my favorite, but I, Shaggy was number two. I just remember seeing Scooby Doo, and is that the one with? It's the first one that Isla Fisher is in. I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay, but it's either one or two. Doesn't matter. But it was just like I, I think that, that was kind of a Sam Samwise Gamgee moment I had as a kid, where you were where like, I was like, oh, I think I have a crush on Shaggy, and I didn't know that because <laughs> when he's like with Isla Fisher, it was just like a weird jealousy i felt uh-huh. <laughs> but also like so happy for him yeah that he got a love interest well so something i want to say about scooby-doo i'm and i'm gonna do all the research for that patreon episode but i think there may be a reason why they cast him beyond uh just that he's got a shaggy energy but he's in scream which is, if you think about it, this is the rated R Scooby Doo, and he's the, the he's the guy that says you meddling kids because he's wearing a mask. Pretty much, but I, what about that take? This is the rated R Scooby Doo. That should have been my letterbox review. I mean, review. that doesn't really make sense, but okay. Well, because it's like a who done it, who's going around doing it, and it's just a normal person, even though it almost has like a mythical quality, and you take okay, off the mask. It. It's a Scooby Doo. Put it as your letterbox review, okay? Someone is going to be listening to this and think that I am as smart as I know I am. He's also in Criminal Minds. That's fun. <laughs> Just blowing right past it. Um, Jamie Kennedy plays Randy. He is also in Son of the Mask. Uh, Romeo plus Juliet. Last Call. You can tell by his IMDb picture. He's a comedian. Did he do the Malibu movie? Yes. What is that? Malibu's Most Wanted? Yeah. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I've seen some. What is this movie? I just saw it on MTV one time. arranges for his son, a rich white kid who fancies himself black, to be kidnapped by a couple of black actors pretending to be murderers to try and shock him out of his pl- plans to become a rapper. I think I've seen this movie on TV. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We're, we're closing in on the hour mark. And we haven't started talking about. And movie. I'm okay with it. This is this could this has got potential to be our longest. We'll see. I've seen this movie. This is crazy. And I did not know that it was called Malibu's Most Wanted. And I don't really remember that being the premise. Yeah, that's that sounds like it's either a very funny satire or a really racist movie. Yeah. It, it does. I don't think there's room for it to be in the middle of those two things. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, should we save leave Schreiber? Let's save leave. Okay. Um, let's leave him for next time. Ah, very good. Um, Henry Winkler is in this as well. Fun yeah, wh- who is he? Um, oh yeah, he played one of the most iconic well, television characters this, of all history. I'll tell you this, he's cool. He's cool, and he looks in mirrors a few times in this movie, which is a classic Fonz thing to do. Oh yeah, they just have fun with it. Also, if anyone has, if no one has seen Barry on oh, HBO, man, talk about did he win an Emmy for the last? He season? He did, yeah. Yeah, Henry Winkler is phenomenal in that. You know, because, you know, he's amazing in Arrested Development. Yeah. And, you know, he's in Waterboy, too. In Arrested Development, he plays. The lawyer. Yeah. Uh, they do the f- one of the funniest bits in a show full of the funniest bits, but he goes to a, like, he's getting ready in a mirror, and he's talking to someone, and it's Henry Winkler, and he grabs the mirror, puts it up to his hair, and then he goes, pulls his hands out just like Fonz puts his comb away and walks out of the bathroom, and it's like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> it's like 
It's a blink and you'll miss it moment, but it's just well, one that, of the that funniest. That whole show is you can't blink when you watch it. <laughs> yeah, I well, when you and I watched it, we got in the Clockwork Orange chairs and we yeah. we had our eyes and we had a guy who was next to us putting eye drops yeah. in so that we could watch the whole thing. Yep, we saw it all when we got every joke. <laughs> okay, saved best for last. Okay, okay, <laughs> David Arquette, <laughs> and let me just tell you what he's been in. Okay. He's also a Never Been Kissed in the Scream movies. Look at the cover of this movie he's in called Eight-Legged Freaks. Yes, I... Re- yes. That... <laughs> no, no, no. No, never mind. Never mind. I got it confused with something um, else. Okay, wait. Just give me a second. Give me a second. I got to scroll back to see where he's at in his... So, you know, he is among the Arquette family, which is a Hollywood family. Yes. Um, His sister is Patricia Arquette, who... She's such an interesting actress to me because it just really depends who she's working with, I think. Okay. Whether or not her performance is going to be good. Because I just feel like there are times where I've seen her in something and it is so awful. But then I see her in The Act, which I recently watched. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she I is forgot you have phenomenal. that. Phenomenal. I think she got nominated for an Emmy. Maybe she won it. I don't okay. remember. And she is like chilling in that show. And then, like, in Boyhood. I've always felt like, and I haven't seen the movie for a long time. Mm -hmm. For a lot of it, I'm just like, I can't, I'm not sure if I'm enjoying it or not. It seems, she just seems inconsistent. Yeah. But that one scene she has near the end of the movie. Where she's going to college. And she's yelling at him. Yeah. That was like, because she won the Oscar for that movie. Yeah. And it is like, okay, that is a, that was a crazy performance. Yeah. In that scene. Mm -hmm. I know. Go ahead. uh, Yeah. No, Patricia Arquette. I need to rewatch Boyhood. Um, I just want to rewatch Boyhood, but I need to key into her performance. But I've never seen something that she's in and thought and thought that she did it better than another actor could have done it. Yeah, I've all every time I see her in something, I'm I just think like I wish someone else was in this. Yeah, Uh, I think I think Boyhood is probably an exception though. I just I would need to rewatch it. But I, you know, uh, like in um, when we watched, uh, my goodness, that movie, Bringing Out the Dead, the Martin it, Scorsese movie with Nicolas Cage. Oh yeah, 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 and that's pretty early for her. Yeah, I mean that's like early nineties. Um, she's not, she's not too good in it. She's okay. It in doesn't that help movie, that we but, weren't already com- totally enjoying that movie. Yeah, I gotta say it's definitely not my favorite Scorsese. Not even close. But yeah. um, it's still, I mean. The guy knows how to make movies still. You know, it's tough. Yeah. But, uh... She's uh, interesting. She, yeah. It, so let's talk about her brother. The, the Arquettes are are a tough nut to crack for me. Yeah, so he... He's in things such as the Buffy, Buffy the Slam... The Vampire Slayer movie. Buffy the Slampire <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, in Ambush of Ghosts. Um, Airheads. Fall Time. So he's in quite a lot when we get to Scream, by the time we get to Scream. Oh, he's in an episode of Friends. He's probably a love interest at some point. Spoiler alert. Haven't watched Friends. (gasps) I've seen one episode. I've seen a couple episodes, but never taken the dive. But okay, so by the time he gets in Scream, he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, okay. And it's crazy to say that because... This feels like the first movie he's been in. Well, and and 
as you're, I, I'm sorry, but uh, I just want to point out that the script called for, like, it was supposed to be like a big, strong, tough sheriff. No. And he re- he read the mm-hmm. script, and he I think he was reading for Billy, and then he said, I want to be the sheriff. He's a deputy. He's never a sheriff. Or de- deputy. He, I want to be the deputy. And then they kind of rewrote it to be like a doofy deputy. Oh. Which actually is a good idea. I, I like that character idea. And And watching this movie this last time, for this okay i gotta say i do think it's well casted okay i i think he does take take the the assume the role of the kid cop well that no one respects just because simply he is new yeah and young but there are just parts of the movie where it is like what are you what is what choices are you making i know i know (laughs) and also you're just not charming yeah but maybe he's not supposed because because you know his the love interest is him and Courtney Cox by the end of the movie. Uh-huh. And it is just like, I don't get that. No. Well, I mean, it is like a mani- like she's manipulating him the whole time. No, that's true. But, but here's, yeah. here's what I will say about his performance. This time around, the first time I was like, it's crazy because this movie's like nearly perfect except for David Arquette. Yeah. This time I watched it and I was like, I kind of get it. <laughs> I still don't I still don't think he's all that good, but there is a certain there's a certain charm to him in this movie. And I kind of like it. Me too. Um it, I can't really express it and I can't think of another example of like a movie that I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. But he's sort of he's sort of like really bad, but it kind of works. I agree. It's it's weird. I feel like it's I'm contradicting weird. myself, but I, I agree with you. Man. So is that all your actors? Yeah. Okay. So the movie begins. And we have, we see Drew Barrymore. She's home alone. She's having kind of an evening to herself. I think a friend might come over later. You get that impression maybe. Mm-hmm. And she's going to watch a scary movie tonight. This house has a lot of windows. A lot of windows. And it's the- very brightly lit. Very brightly lit. You feel safe. Feel safe. And she gets a phone call. And the person's like, it's a wrong number. Mm -hmm. She's pretty sure. So she hangs it up and they call again. And then it's kind of this fun thing where, you know, she's a young girl and there's a guy on the phone. He's flirting. Flirting a little bit. I don't have a boyfriend. I'm about to watch a scary movie. Yeah. Like, this is kind of innocent, fun stuff, I guess. She's making popcorn. And, and and let me just say really quick, uh, the voice is Roger L. Jackson. Yeah, and what does he do? Um, he uh, had to look here. He he's a he's a voice actor, so he's done like Powerpuff Girls. Nice. Um, yeah, Mojo Jojo and Butch on the Powerpuff Girls, and he was not. They were not allowed to meet on set at all. So no one knew who this guy looked like that they kept talking on the phone That's throughout the movie. Fun. Yeah, so it, Craven wanted to make sure that that and and he was supposed to be like he was kind of a filler for on set, and then once they did some of the filming, they were like, no, this is the voice. We're keeping this guy. We're cool. not replacing it later. And like I said, the actors weren't allowed to meet this guy, so no one knew what he looked like. Love that aspect of it. So he's talking on the phone. There's a I love the voice performance. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not like what you would expect, I don't think, but it's very creepy. 
Yeah, it it's just very cheesy is the best way I can describe it. Yeah. Like and, and it's it it's just it feels fun for I mean, you know you're watching a scary movie, so you know this isn't gonna end well, but it like feels fun at the beginning where he yeah. sounds really cheesy. He doesn't sound like he doesn't sound real. Uh-huh. And his voice is very clear. Yeah. You know, and yeah. And then and then, you know, um he says what are you watching tonight? Do you like scary movies? And isn't that when she says, no, I, or no, she says she likes scary movies. Mm-hmm. She's going to watch a scary movie. She's popping popcorn on He's the stove. He's asking her what her favorite is. And I think she says Halloween. I, or, no, or, she says A Nightmare on Elm Street. Doesn't she? I, I think she says Halloween because she's like looking at the knives. You know, I think she's oh, just that's like, right. oh, that's I right. don't know. Yeah, you're Halloween, right. Halloween, right? That's the best one, right? Yeah. So it's just a lot of references, as we've said before, to classic horror movies, specifically slashers. And what's the thing that he says that? Yeah, Ed I hits wrote it down. Fan? Is when she's like, "Who is this?" and he's going, "Who are you?" and she says, "No, well, I don't want to tell you who I am." And he goes, "I want to know who I'm looking at." Yeah. And she and goes, his, "What his did voice you say?" Changes. I know. And when his voice changes, it's not cheesy anymore. It's, it's scary. scary. He gets really aggressive, uh-huh. and it's really scary. And then you know, so she starts freaking out, and she's looking around the house because someone's watching her. And it's so good too, the, like pacing of everything because she's just in movies when this happens. So she's the stove is on, and she's popping popcorn, and yeah. this is a long scene. And for me, it's just like is this house burning down? What's going on with this popcorn? Yeah. So it's just that, that just adds to the tension. Absolutely. So much. Yeah. So, yeah. So he says that, and she is like running around the house, locking doors uh-huh. now. And it still kind of feels like this guy might be playing a prank on her, but it's like, this isn't funny anymore. Stop. Yeah. And she keeps hanging up on him and he keeps calling her back. And then he brings up her boyfriend. No, yeah. no, She says, my boyfriend's going to be here in two seconds. He's don't like, even I try you anything. said you didn't have a boyfriend. Right. She and said, I was lying. Oh, she's so good in this. Yeah. And um, then he says something about, oh, I love that she says to like, my boyfriend is on the football team and he'll kick your ass. Like, yeah. she's just. Oh, okay. So we're putting explicit on this episode. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm just, that's a quote. <laughs> but then he starts talking about her boyfriend. Yeah. And she sees. That he's on the porch. He's on the porch. Hide up. Tied up, and he is already bloody. Yeah, he doesn't look good. duct taped. He doesn't look good. He's right by the pool. I think I've always thought that he was going to get dragged into the pool or something. Sure. Um, much worse than that. And yeah, visually, but but what what and this this right off the bat, like this scene, you know, it 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 tells you several things. Like we're we're upending expectations. This is going to be self self referential. It's going to be sort of fun. But then it also like from this point on, it it this weird balancing act this movie has to do the whole time, and I think does it perfectly, where it's really intense and and feels weirdly realistic. Yeah, because all of the like horrific elements do hit really hard to me. Yeah, but the rest of the movie, I'm like, this is so fun. And when I think about Scream, I associate it with fun. Yeah, and then when I watch it, I'm like, oh. Well, that's what at certain points. When, so when people tell me that they can't handle scary movies, and I think that's totally valid. Yeah. And it, for me, it's always like I I can understand these types of scary movies that people can't uh-huh. handle. Very fun, very out there. But it is just normal people stabbing people. I know. That I is know. that happens daily. 
yeah around the world that to me is the scary it is truly scary that this could just happen to anyone and that's what's so fun about the slasher movies not necessarily the sequels because they become like spiritual entities at this point like michael can't die jason goes to space like but it's cool that scream has always maintained that it's like people who are doing it yeah it's not ever the same person and and it's always fun because it's for anyone who's listening and doesn't know they're actually coming out with another scream in january yeah and it's called we already said that i don't know that we did but maybe we did but it's called scream and it's just like it's cool because it'll the whole movie you're gonna be like who's the person who's doing it even if you think that's gonna be about reboots i hope that that because each of these movies kind of tackles like a different like trope in a way who is directing that people i've never heard of okay okay i think it's two people which i'm a little concerned about that aspect and the fact that it's coming out in january is also a red flag to me yeah but also like the whole scheduling of movies right now is in such an upheaval yeah that i i don't think that that's necessarily indicative of its quality yeah because they they may have wanted to release it in october but they're like well we're not going to release it around halloween yeah now that there's like mean halloween kills or yeah halloween kills and and you know figuring out the industry post-covid well not post-covid i think a lot of movie horror movies are released at that time of year yeah because you know horror movies aren't they're not classically award movies like get out came out in february yeah well and it it could be something i'm sorry to cut you off but uh remember this movie came out in december i wonder if they originally wanted to put it out in december like just like the first movie yeah but then with covid and other movies coming out in December, they were like, well, we're not going to compete with Spider-Man. Let's put it in. Yeah, I just don't know. Because I, I totally, when movies are released, it's fascinating. And it is notorious that if a movie's released at the beginning of the year, that's just the dump. Yeah. Because it's, you know, we're in the award seasons at that point, And we'll only care about the movies that were, came out around now. Yeah. But horror, I'm not sure if I care as much about that. Because yeah. it can just kind of be dumped whenever. Yeah. I would say, though... Uh, for the most part like february to april you're not getting a lot of good horror movies but 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 in recent years we've gotten a couple yeah but but i think we've gotten more that are bad that you and i never watched you know what i mean yeah yeah but it also feels like after covid is like done done it feels like the the old calendar for the box office is going to be totally different right and uh, that'll be interesting, but that's not what we're talking about yet. We'll talk about that in January when we go see Scream in theaters and report it to you guys. Um, okay, so opening getting back scene. to the movie. Yeah, so her boyfriend she sees is tied up, and the guy on the phone says, let's play a game for your boyfriend's life. Yeah. And again, Drew Barrymore's acting is incredible. She is just hysterical at this point, but he asks her, who is the bad guy in Halloween? Yeah. And she's freaking out, can't answer it, when they literally were just talking about it. Right. And I think it's just very, it feels very natural. Yep. And I think it adds to that horrificness that's going on. But she's, she says, he's like, that's an easy one. Come on. And she says, Michael Myers. Uh-huh. And then he says, who is the bad guy on Friday the 13th? And she says, Jason Voorhees. And she says it even quicker than Michael Myers. She's like, this is easy. I can do this. Wrong. Yeah. And he says it was Jason's mom. Yeah. Which I haven't seen that. But yeah, that makes sense. Because I I think it's like in in the second movie, Jason's the killer. I think that's 
true. Yeah. yeah. I well, I mean, that's what they either. say in this movie, so that's why I'm. I'm <laughs> they wouldn't lie about that. Why would they get that fact wrong? Why is it? I wonder why it's Jason's mom. I guess I just gotta watch the movie. Yeah. But um, and then the lights go out, and her, and then they they cut back on, and her boyfriend's been disemboweled. disemboweled. And it is to me, to me, it's the most graphic kill. It, yeah, it is. Yeah. In terms of like watching people be murdered is graphic in itself. Uh-huh. I'm saying the aftermath, like that is the most grotesque yeah. murder, I think. And it's interesting that they just kick it right off. With yeah. That. But, um, and the MPAA sitting there and they're like, Phew. yeah, there's a lot of insides I'm seeing <laughs> right now. So boyfriend's dead. Popcorn is still popping. I think it's on fire at this point. Yeah, and she is running through the house. By that time, um, the scream care or the the bad guy comes through the window, jumps through the window, uh-huh. and so she's running from him. She makes it outside and sees that he's still inside. Yeah, and it's just it, you can't. And we've talked about this so much. You can't watch a scary movie without thinking, "What would I do in this situation?" Yep. And I gotta say, like watching her, what she's doing, it's like I think she's doing a good job. Yeah, I think she's doing the best she can do. Yeah. So she is ru- trying to run around the house to get to the front to and and because she, she sees a car and I think she probably knows it's her parents. Yeah. So she's trying to get around to the front and she he catches up to her. Yeah. Very and, go ahead. And he when he runs it's that sh- shot that they recreate in Fear Street. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. With with Maya Hawk where it goes slow motion and he stabs her. Um and then, then like the music, the music in this movie is really good. Mm-hmm. I love the score of this movie, and it gets so somber it and does. very sad. It does when when he starts killing her, and then he like hangs her in a tree. And I I'm guessing because we don't really know for sure, but I'm guessing that they both both of the killers had the masks on and were both around the house. Doing I, that's the what I think too. Because I, I would imagine one of them is like running by and cutting the boyfriend while the other one's like figuring out how to get into the house. So here's a question. Do you think this kill, I've never thought about this until now, is Matthew Dillard's motive? Lillard? Be- Lillard, sorry. Because what's his name in the movie? Um, I'm forgetting. Just There's Billy and so-and-so. But later on in the movie when they're all sitting around the fountain during lunch, they say, hey, didn't you date her at one point? Oh, and that's he did true, yeah. Her, and they're... They were like, yeah, she dumped him. And he's like, no, she didn't dump me. I dumped her. So oh, I'm wondering yeah. if that was a revenge kill for him, yeah. which I've never thought about until now. But part of the 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 fun, that's the wrong word, but part of the interesting thing is like, though they do have motives, they're kind of like motiveless killers. Like it, it, they're almost, they have more in common with the killers in Alfred Hitchcock's Rope yeah. Than they do with like oh totally psycho. I think it's like hey we should well they've actually already done this a year prior because they killed Sydney's mom yeah but I which think, that one's gross that like really grosses me out that they killed her oh I think so too but I I think it is that whole psychopath yeah. thing so I think going back to them killing her mom I think it's like hey let's just see if we can do it yeah and then they did it and not only that someone else got framed for it. Yeah. So they're like, oh my gosh, we got away with it, scot free. And then maybe a year later, maybe they had this whole plan, but like a year later, they're like, let's just kill the uh, Drew Barrymore and her boyfriend for sport. Uh, but like, she was my girlfriend, so I'm like, that's my motive. I'm pissed. Like, yeah, easy yeah. target. Just just get rid of her. That's yeah. how it feels. 
So then her death scene is just crazy. Yes. It, 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 her acting again is very good. She, and I, I do like throughout this movie, anyone who's fighting off the bad guy it, is like getting in punches and kicks Yeah, because the bad guy is just a person. And so it almost always feels like the, the bad guy is, is very easily going to fail mm-hmm. on just one false move. However, they're the one with the knife. Well, it it constantly feels like, like especially when you know that it's not a, like by the end of the movie when you know the two guys who have been doing it, it feels like okay if just a couple things were different they could have got them earlier. Yeah. yeah. It, like because they are humans. Right. And and I I that's interesting to me. I think so In too. watching these movies, it's fun to have a supernatural Michael Myers who like cannot die. That's interesting and cool in itself. But I like that this is like, no, these are stoppable forces. Yeah. You can stop them. Yeah. And I think what's interesting with sequels is the idea that it can't be killed. I know that's, and you know, the other thing they could do with this new Scream movie um, in January is they could make it about like our current obsession with serial killers. Which all of these movies are kind of about that. Yeah. But you know, we were talking earlier about the Ted Bundy thing. If it's like, you know, that's part of their motive. Yeah, like that's whoever wrote this new movie, that's what they thought of. Yeah. But I mean, I guess the the next couple movies are all kind of about that as well. But I mean, you could really hit it hard and it would it would hit pretty hard if you did it now. The next one's like very much about revenge. Yeah, I don't remember. Don't okay. I gotta okay. I just remember that there's a movie within the movie that's crazy and Luke Wilson's has the best cameo of all time in that movie. Forget Luke Wilson's in it. He's in the movie, in the movie. We'll talk about it next week. So then we cut to, we meet Nev Campbell. Yep. And her boyfriend, you know, breaks into her house. Not breaks into, <laughs> no, sneaks into in her house. the window. <laughs> and he talks about how, like, you know, I was watching uh, The Exorcist the other day on TV, but they cut out all the good parts. It was edited for TV. And so already, like. I feel like our relationships have been edited for TV. Yeah, it's like, it's like we were, we were. We were are headed to, headed to an NC seventeen relationship, and now we're back to PG thirteen. And they're like kissing, and she's like, "No, I just don't want to. I just don't want to have sex." Hmm. And he's like, "It's okay, it's okay." And already, you know, there's just so much movie reference. This movie yeah. is, you know, for people like us, it's just like, yeah, 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 movies, movies, movies. <laughs> yeah, especially as we talked about, like this is a time when. You know, this is the 90s. There's so many references being made. Like, think of movies today that, you know, we've talked about where it's just references upon references. Yeah. It's fun. But yeah, so her, he, he leaves because dad comes in and dad's going on a business trip yeah. for a couple of days. So she'll be alone at the house. Yeah. And uh, so then we go to high school mm-hmm. and we're kind of meeting, you know, Tatum, uh, Matthew Lillard, Skeet Ulrich. We're meeting all of these people. I mean, we met Billy in the... But like Randy, too. And that, Randy. So when Cindy gets to school that day, she finds out that Drew Barrymore was murdered and her boyfriend. Yeah. And like hu- horrifically murdered. Uh-huh. And it's this huge tragedy at school. And Cindy's taking it extra hard. And, and they don't really... They don't say what it is outright, which is just always fun for me. It's like... I think for anyone, it's like, ooh, what's her secret? Yeah, yeah. But you find out her mom was raped and murdered a yeah. year ago, and it's coming up on that year anniversary. So she has been grieving that for the past year. Yeah. Um, and we meet Courtney Cox because all the news people are at the um, at the high school. Yeah. And 
Sydney and Courtney Cox have this conversation because Courtney Cox, like, basically, from from Sydney's perspective, exploited her mom's murder so that she could write a book. And Sydney about the killer. Yeah, and Sydney's testimony. So, Lee Schreiber is the guy who was convicted for killing her mom. Yeah. Um, we only see him on television screens. Yeah, but, but we're gonna see him a little later in the yeah. series. So, question about that. Lee yeah. Schreiber's pretty big at that point. I don't think so. Oh, he's not? Okay. No. Never mind then. Pretty so, sure. Pretty sure not. Okay. We'll we'll find out more on in three. Because three, I think, is where he's is where he comes back. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. So th- we'll talk a lot about okay. Lee on that. I was gonna one. say if he was big at that point, I I would just be surprised. No, I think he was in the same boat as like most of this cast, where it's like, yeah, I've been in a couple things. Got it. So she, so Sydney's testimony is the linchpin and and sentencing him to death, mm-hmm. and he's gonna get lethal injection. And Courtney Cox is writing this expose book about how Sydney's Sydney's wrong. Yeah, and it's this other person who murdered her mom, or or that we don't know. So the person's still out there. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So like you said, just exploiting the situation. Yes. And then, you know, we have the scene with with Matthew Lillard when he was when he's talking about the murders. And I just I mean, I just wrote love Shaggy and love, <laughs> love video guy. Because at the time. Randy. Oh, yeah. I, um, but yeah, they're just so great. Yeah. I, I love everyone has such good chemistry as friends. They do. Yeah. And, and so a couple of things. I love how over the top the acting in this movie is. Yeah. Um, I think the only person that's underplaying it and, and it. I think it pops because everyone is going so over the top is Nev Campbell. Mm-hmm. She's playing it like quiet and somber and she feels realistic to me. Mm-hmm. The others don't really. Mm-hmm. They feel a little more caricature, but I think that's super intentional. Yeah. And it just builds this interesting world that could go to these heights. Yeah. Um and then the other thing that I is weird, but I I I think there's some magic about it in this movie is I love that everyone looks like they are like late into their college years. Yeah. I don't know why Maybe that works that's for me. Just a thing. But that it, happens all the time. And no, it, like it almost feels self aware. Oh yes. That's what I was trying to say when we were the other day and I had forgotten that point. Yeah, it feels like the movie is kind of commenting on how like no one's ever casted that looks like a high schooler when they're in high school. Everyone movies. looks thirty five. And this movie, it's like they're almost even older uh-huh. than what they would cast. So it uh-huh. feels like they're intentionally being like, this is kind of silly. Yeah. This is like a silly trope. And we're just going to go like balls to the walls. I got to say with Fear Street, they look like they're in high school. They do. I, I think that we're getting that that Hollywood's getting better at casting for those things. Well, I think because like Spider-Man did Spider-Man kind of. Spider-Man is really good too. Kind of set that tone, I, I feel like. And those kids are probably still like 22. Yeah. Um. And then, what was I going to say? So yeah, Fear Street, I felt that way. I'll come back to it. I have to think okay. about it. But I, I just think that we're we're definitely getting better at it. Maybe yeah. that's me getting older. Yeah. But yeah. It is so funny, though. I, I think I've said this before on this podcast, but I remember when I was a kid watching the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Yeah. And just assuming like that, yeah, that's what high schoolers look like. And then after going through high school and watch, I, I think I rewatched them like last year or the year before. And I was just like, oh, these kids, <laughs> they're old. They look older than I look right now. I know. Oh, I, I, really, I remember what I was going to say. Clueless is the same thing. 
everyone looks so old. Yeah, and they that, do. It is insane. That also feels self-aware about it. It too. it does. But movies like that, when I got into high school, I thought that like, oh, this isn't real. Like yeah. I, I think when I was even younger, seeing kids in high school, it's like, oh, that's what you look like when you're in high school. Uh-huh. You look you look that much older. And then I'm in high school. And I'm like, I still look like I look when I was 13. Yeah. And I have not changed. And everyone looks like they're 13, yeah. even though we're all 17. Yeah. <laughs> well, and a, another like more recent ish example is Easy A. I feel like they all look like they're late college. Yeah. Like that. That's another one. Definitely. And so I feel like Spider Man Homecoming feels like maybe a turning of corner of high school movies maybe that's a point that's going through my head right now i don't know if that's accurate or, or it's not. just because we're older now and people just look younger than us now yeah but i mean i did watch easy a last year and i was like these all these people look really old yeah but um okay uh then sydney gets a phone call so when sydney's she's at, at home. home alone and she is waiting for tatum to come over and yes. um, so she falls asleep, wakes up. T- she's still alone. She falls asleep with her shoes on. Yeah. Jeez. Talk about another pet peeve I have in movies is when actors have shoes on on furniture. Yeah. And it just really bugs me because how many people keep their shoes on and put them on their furniture? That's gross. You're getting germs everywhere. That's weird. You take your shoes off when you get into the house. I, or, I agree. And you're not overblowing this. And truly. I, it just feels like all the time. It's just the people who do costume. They, they, this is what the character wears so they're wearing this in this scene it's all planned out but people forget that like they're <laughs> this person's been lounging at home for hours yeah, in like, their home kick your shoes in, off. in this costume i don't i'm not i'm not blaming costume design at all <laughs> yeah. it, but it just feels like sometimes it's like okay that's what they're in this that, the director doesn't even think about it yeah because that's just what they've been put it's in. so funny yeah it's annoying but she gets a call she thinks it's billy mm-hmm um, even though she can tell the voice is a little different, she thinks he's playing a prank on her. Yeah. But as you know, as the viewer, it's the same voice as the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And you're thinking, crap, is our main character going to die already? Yeah. So, um, she is talking to him for a while and that's when, uh, I think he asks her, if she likes scary movies. She's like, no, they're just always the same. It's just, people are always running upstairs when they should be running like, out the door, running out the door. So she just says those fun movie tropes that we all know and love. Yeah. And it drives us crazy. And then she realizes it's not Billy and she's uh-huh. going to hang up the phone. And the guy gets that really scary voice. Don't you change. dare hang up the phone. Yeah. yeah. And, um, she the so the guys i think he says something again that like he can see her uh-huh and then she's like okay i'm calling your bluff and she goes out on the front porch yeah and i love that and she starts picking her nose and she says what am i doing right now yeah see you're not around but then he's in the closet he's in the closet and the chase ensues and then it, that, that that's something that that so the screenwriter was inspired by that one serial killer yeah, he, he did get into several people's homes while they were sleeping, and the uh, people didn't know. Uh, so that if any, maybe that's one inspiration he had. Okay, but uh, but this was something you pointed out because um, I was just wrapped up in the scene, you know, where she's getting chased by a ghost face, and she runs to the door, and she just can't like have she does like doesn't have the tactile capacity to like open the chain, throw it back, and go out the door. So then she runs up the stairs. Mm-hmm. What she had just said on the phone is a stupid thing that people do in movies. Yes. Love that. Big, big smile from Jordan. <laughs> ear to ear. 
Um, and then basically she kind of gets away. She fights him off and then she runs outside and Dewey's there. Yeah. The deputy. Yes. And then, um, her boyfriend, Billy is there as well. And the, the Dewey has the mask. Yes. Which I think when you first watch it, it throws a little like, wait, is he involved? Oh, I've never thought that. I've always thought like, oh, Billy's, which I think you're supposed to be suspicious of Billy. Well, I just, Billy, I just, oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying that I, I think what it is, for, this is how I've taken it. So this thing just happens. Dewey happens to show up in the nick of time and he has this mask and it's like, well, why does he have the mask? And then Billy shows up a second later and it's like, did Billy run out of this house, rip off all the things and yeah. Dewey just found it in a bush? Yeah. That's what I've always thought. And, but I think they, they cast Skeet Ski Ulrich as a good casting choice because this whole movie you do like think like he's really suspicious because he's just that mysterious aloof boyfriend. Uh-huh. But it's like, but he's her boyfriend. Shouldn't I trust him? Right. And then once you find out the twist, it's like, oh, it was him and someone else. Like that's yeah. the crazy thing. Yeah. And so then he's comforting Sydney and a cell phone falls out of his pocket. Yeah. And it this is a funny thing we were discussing today where it it's hilarious because we're 25 years after this movie came out and one of the hinges of this movie is the police interrogating him and being like how come you had a cellular telephone huh try and answer that question and that's like a plot point i know that it's unusual that a high school person had a cellular device yeah <laughs> that's funny but today it's just like yeah that's not something people care about. Well, even in later movies, I, I think like three and four, they're kind of like, it could be anyone that's calling. We all have phones, you know? So, um, and they're, they're so obsessed with tracing the call. And then they're also talking yeah. about, can you clone a phone? Right. Is that <laughs> possible? Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. You can. Oh, like you can, like if someone looks up records, it can say that it comes from this person's phone, but that's not true. I'm, I, well, Cause later I'm in the sure movie, you can do elements of that. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, but also I guess I'm basing that on movies, so maybe you can't. But I think you can oh, make your phone look like it's calling from somewhere else. Okay. Stuff like that. Um, see the entire season of uh, This American Life, uh, Ad Adnan Syed, and all the telephone pinging that they had to do on that case. Oh, yeah. I thought it would be funny to reference I had cereal. to remember who Adnan Syed was for a second. Yeah, member serial and how it gripped the nation, the world, in fact. Yeah. And then someone made a documentary that was like Adnan Syed, the the killer. I don't know. I can't tell. That 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 podcast, like you kind of said, great podcast, but it is a little like it ends and it's like, well, we don't know if he did it or didn't. I don't really have a stance on it. Which is good reporting. Well, I think the whole last episode was her opinion, but she still seems very objective about it. Yeah, and so it's like, I really have no idea. It seems like he didn't kill her, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and But by the end of this Scream episode, we'll have figured it out. Yeah, we'll let you know. Um, We have this great, <laughs> great, great line in the movie where, you know, uh, Courtney Cox and Sydney are fighting. Uh, and she like punches her outside of the Sydney police station. Courtney Cox. Yeah, and um, and then Sydney goes to Tatum's house to spend the night. Tatum is holding a giant bunny, and she she keeps recreating what happened between uh -huh. the news reporter and Sydney. And she says, "quote 
it was so, you know, it's so funny. And that was so awesome when you said, I'll send you a copy. Bam, Sid, super bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All while holding a giant white bunny. Yeah, it's funny. Um, And uh, then, you know, there's some more stuff. Then there's the- Well, someone calls for Sydney. That's right. And it's the caller. Yes. And I don't remember what he says, but pretty much I'm still out there. Yeah, so it's like, okay, it's not her boyfriend. Yeah. But then later in the movie- her boyfriend is arrested at her house, by the way. Yeah. This movie actually like cooks. When we it does. when we went to the party scene at the end, I was like, "Wait, we're already here? But Isn't this the end of the movie?" There. You do, but uh, I mean, this movie just goes. Yeah. Um, but but later in the movie, Sid asks her boyfriend, "Wait for your one call. Who did you call?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, I called my dad." She's like, "But your dad was already there." The police called your dad, or the police called your dad, and he goes, "Oh, yeah, he, I I left a message. He didn't answer." And then and then it's like wait maybe he is the killer and then the like the next moment he's stabbed and mm-hmm. you're like okay he's definitely not the killer mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's done well yeah um, we have so she goes to school the next day yeah and goes she, to the bathroom hears people people saying that she about sucks her. yeah and like talking about her mom and stuff and everyone's saying that her mom got around town yeah so it's like. Is it really that crazy that she got raped and murdered? Like, blah, blah. Like, just saying horrible stuff. Yeah. And she almost, she gets attacked again by Ghostface in the bathroom. Right. Right before that, too, she runs into Billy. Mm -hmm. And that, that was a moment where it's like, you suck, dude. Where he's like, can you just get over your mom already? Yeah, I want to have sex with you. Like, get over your mom so we can have sex is what he's saying. Yeah. Which it's sucks and it's like this feels like a high school moment i know um and then Ghostface attacks the principal played by henry winkler mm-hmm. in a great scene that that shows one section where he- henry winkler like hears these things happening he opens the door looks at a janitor who's dressed as freddy krueger and played by the director of this movie wes craven mm-hmm. like Funny. like that nod Funny and then streak. Ghostface kills him Yep. And then they cancel school. Yeah. And there's that great scene where Matthew Lillard, they're like leaving and he's like, I don't know what you did, Sid, but you got us canceled from school. So you're okay in my book. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Like, let's have a party to celebrate. Yeah. So now they're going to have a party at his house. Yeah. And um, I kind of, there is this like genuinely very funny moment in the movie regarding Dewey where, you know, there's a curfew on the town. Yeah. Things are not looking good. Killer is on the loose. Like everyone has to be at their home by like six nine. or so. Oh, nine. Uh, the opposite of six. Because um, if you flip it upside down. Okay. Um, but uh, so so things are just not not good. And so he's escorting Tatum, his sister, and Sid to this party. And when he gets there. He walks in and people are like, oh, what's up, Dewey? You know, they're underage kids and they're all drinking and there's someone drinking. He's like, hey, I don't want to catch you drinking. And the person's like, oh, oh. And he's like, ah, no, I'm just kidding. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Um, and, and it is sort of, it, it weirdly feels like he's actually doing the right thing. You know, like, I, I know you guys are drinking. Well, it's like, I'm not here because of this. I'm here because of a killer. There's a bigger issue. Yeah. If you guys are all here, then we know where everyone's at. 
That's how we. That's like his excuse. Yeah. I mean, he's more just interested in hanging out with Gail Weathers, no matter yeah, what. Yeah. So he's like, if some underage kids can drink at my expense, so I can hang out with her, I'll let it slide. Pretty and much. like Gail's seducing him, kind of, and we and... gotta talk about the video store before this. Oh gosh, yeah, that's like one of my favorite so scenes. So Randy, he is the commentator of the whole movie. In, yeah. in the way you know he he works at the video store yeah and video store literally vhs's are up in the store yeah because it's 1996 and it's so funny i they they explain it but you it cuts to that and it's like there are so many people in here but do, so i know you had that reaction you're like there's a lot of people in there but don't you remember like going to no, blockbuster on just, friday that, nights and it was micah packed. micah that's the funny thing to me yeah but then they also mentioned there's this curfew. No one has anything else to do. Everyone's at the video yeah. store for their evening. Um, it made it makes me so nostalgic oh, for me too. video stores. Me too. It's great. That so was he's so fun. Working at the video store. And Our kids are never going to know what that's like. No, never. So Matthew Lillard shows up, and they have a conversation. And Billy's also there, but he's like off somewhere else. Uh-huh. And Randy's kind of talking about Billy, but in the context of horror movies. Yeah, and he's kind of like he's. Well, and, and, and he's saying, like, the police are investigating this all wrong. We all know that if you pick someone up and you think they're the killer, like, and then you let them go, they're going to kill again. Or, yeah. or he, he's saying all this stuff. He basically tells you how the movie's going to end Yeah, in a lot of ways. He, he also says maybe the father did it. Yeah. Or, or no, he said he's... At no, some point Matthew in the Lillard, movie, Matthew Lillard suggests that. Yeah, Matthew the dad's Lillard says mi- missing. Maybe the father did it, and and then he says it's a red herring. He's going to show up dead in the last reel. Yes, that's what he says. And although he doesn't show up dead, he does show up in the last reel of the movie. Yes. And he says a couple of other things. And they were going to frame her dad. That was the plan. Yeah. Was to frame her dad. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then he even says like, uh, then Matthew says, Randy, maybe you're the one who does it. You know so much about it, and he's like. I mean, I could be a suspect. Yeah, like that—that that fits the mo. That, that yeah. I, well, I think he says like in a movie frame, I do fit the mo, but it's definitely Billy. Billy's the killer, and he's right. Yeah, he's half right. Yeah. Um, that's what I I love about the the Matthew Lillard and Billy is you know them being such psychopaths as they're so it, it is kind of the typical the murderer usually comes back to the crime scene to help yeah that's like a thing that happens a lot that's really that that is like any any stranger who shows up to a crime scene to help to help in any way that's your number one suspect so they're just around like freely just let's talk about it let's figure this out what's going on yeah and it's like it's not that suspicious because everyone's talking about it but there's just a cockiness to it that's like that's a good theory man i don't know wink wink what's gonna happen and there's that part where he yells and everyone in the video store stops where he goes, there's a very simple formula. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think what what is also just really brilliant about this movie, and I don't know if I'll be able to express it well, is I, I once you find out, you know, who's killing and it's these teenagers and, and basically it feels like it, they're killing out of boredom or uh-huh. just because. Mm-hmm. And it, and it feels like it's kind of commentating on a generation of people who like haven't had to say go to war. They mm-hmm. have they've been living in the suburbs. They go to a this nice is school before nine eleven. This is before nine eleven. So it feels like the the 
and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in this reading, but it just feels like that generation of like American white suburban kids didn't have to experience much. Mm-hmm. So it feels like, well, what what else are we gonna do? We watch movies, and then we kill people. Let's see if it works. Yeah, based just, on all the things we've seen, and even you know going back to what you said way earlier in this episode, where like Matthew Lillard is just he's so excited about the whole thing, and then when he's about to die, he's like, oh, my parents are gonna kill me. Yeah. You know, it's it's like whiny rich people. Yeah. Who just have nothing better to do. Right. Yeah. And it's just I don't know if any other movie before this was like making that point. Yeah, I know. It's good. It's good. So at the house, we talked about Dewey a little bit. He's trying to hang out with Gail Weathers and she He does eat a, a purple ice cream sugar cone for a while at one scene. He does. Just want to point that out. That's it. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that just shows his naivety um but gail gets into the house through him and she puts a hidden camera somewhere in the house so that they can see everything that's happening and then um sydney shows up tatum shows up and they're she's hoping that billy doesn't show up yeah because she just wants to have a night of distraction and safety hopefully yep um and then we have the most relatable scene in film history for me where randy is at a party. It's full of um, alcohol, girls. It's going to be fun. And he is busy trying to do something that I am very familiar with, corral people together and decide which movie we're going to all watch together. (laughs) And then you talk through how it works and doesn't work the whole time. (laughs) Although I wouldn't be talking. I know you would. But I'd pause it and I would do the, I would do the, pause stand up face everyone <laughs> yeah and lecture i think there's been a few times in high school where i did something to that effect and now i get it all out on this podcast so people can choose to subjugate themselves to this or not yep <laughs> um but uh yeah so that happens then tatum goes into the garage mm-hmm. to get more beer and she's attacked by ghostface mm-hmm. and, and she's the one who calls him ghostface they, they they never referred to him as Ghostface oh, before. Okay. She says, "Oh, what are you gonna are you gonna hurt me, Mister Ghostface?" And she's just kind of and and I feel like it's believable in this movie that people when they see it or they get a phone call, they assume people are pulling pranks. Oh, I love that. It's amazing. Because even like the first time they go to high school, someone runs through the school in a ghost face yeah. outfit, and they're like, "Oh." And it feels like that's what would happen. Well, it's like we, and to even like the the social commentary, like you've just ha- went through, is so interesting. But to think, thank like, you so much. Okay. Um, but in the the seventies and the eighties, there were so many notorious serial killers that came out of it. Yeah. And I'm sh- I'm sure there are serial killers in the nineties. Yeah. But no one as notorious as Ted Bundy, Night Stalker zodiac killer yeah like it's like almost like a like you like use like a period of per- perfection for yeah. for a group of people mm-hmm. specifically so it, it is like yeah throughout the movie people see the ghost face person and it's just like rolling their eyes right at it yeah because we're too aware of everything totally. this is like before the internet was super popular this movie came out that's crazy yeah so she tries escaping through the cat door in the garage and gets her head smashed in the garage. Yeah. Pretty gross. It's pretty brutal. I'm surprised there was no blood. Like a her head popped like yeah. a grape or something. Yeah. 
just kidding. <laughs> well, let's let's peek behind the curtain. Yeah. So for some reason, and it's I'm sure you've been enjoying this episode. I feel like we've been covering this really, really well. But just for some reason, the way that our lives turned out this weekend, this is the third day of recording the Scream episode. And it's not starting over. It is continuing where we last. Yeah, because we did we did the first day. So we watched Scream. Then the next day on Saturday, we recorded one hour and we recorded everything of the production notes. And then yesterday we recorded from production notes to this. And then now we're finally going to finish it. And it's just like people really had this much say about say about Scream, but yeah, we, this but will... Godfather Three they couldn't get much out. Just Actually, we talk, a... we know we talked yeah. about a lot. In that episode. But I, I mean, as of now, we are like twenty minutes away from our longest episode. That is, and we're definitely beating it. Who knows? If we're finishing this recording right now. <laughs> so your little peek behind the curtain, folks. Um, so you, I mean, we just talked about this, but Tatum is killed in the garage. Yes. And also, <laughs> I should mention that Jordan looked up, and we know that Matthew Lillard's name in this movie is um, Stuart. Okay, you remember. And a f- another funny thing is, like, yesterday, after we were done, we we went to my parents' house. Or, I actually, I don't know. No, I went to recording. But after that, we're driving to my parents' And we were talking about how people probably got so sick of us saying the name Matthew, Matthew Lillard, Lillard. <laughs> even though it's a very fun name to say. So it's Stuart. We're not yes. going to say and the here, actor's name anymore. And <laughs> here, henceforth, we'll, he'll be referred to as Stuart. Stuart, maybe. Yes. So okay, so Tatum is killed. Yes, and then Billy shows up at the house. Billy shows up at the house to make up with Sydney. And what's funny, little tiny like side thing is Randy always is like, "Do you think I can get a shot with Sydney?" But then yeah. Billy shows up, and it's just like, "Dang it, yep. Randy doesn't get a shot." So Billy and Sydney are gonna go upstairs to talk. Stewart's parents' bedroom, wink, wink, to talk. They're just going to talk. That's wink. all, though. No, I know, but the way Stewart says, like, you guys can go yeah. up to my parents' room. Wait, who's Stewart? I don't know. Matthew. No, no, no. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, okay. So they go up there, and then I think, meanwhile. This is the rule scene. Oh, okay. So, so th- here's what's important, because this is like breaking a mold that starts in Halloween. And this is a rule that Randy tells us about, like, number one rule in a horror movie, don't have sex. Yeah. Because if you have sex, you get killed, and the virgin lives. Yeah. See Halloween. That starts the template. I think that's a byproduct. That was not, like, an intentional thing John Carpenter As did. As if it's, yeah, like, yeah, right. It just is what happened. And then, like, and I think even movies following it, it's, like, something people did but didn't realize it. Just, just as this is a much worse example but in horror, a lot of times the black person dies first. Yeah, and I think I think that was something that was subconscious that people were doing, and they didn't even know they were doing it until at a point you're like, "Wait, what have we been doing for and the past thirty years?" What does this mean years? about myself? Yeah, that I that, like I've added to this. Yeah, that's me as a director or writer or something. Right, and I think they talk about that trope in the next movie, don't they? I think the the that black sounds, people getting killed first. That sounds is right. In and the then next movie, they're. There's a very funny uh, joke in community during the Halloween episode when everyone's turned into zombies. Uh-huh. And it's like towards the end and Abed, Troy, and Jeff are the last ones left. I think Jeff just got eaten. But 
Abed's like, Troy, you have to go do this thing. It has to be you. And he's like, no, Abed, I, I don't want to be away from you. And he's like, please be the black first black guy to survive a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a really, also another funny joke in Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is a comedy, but it's also a commentary on horror. Big yeah. recommend on that movie. It's hilarious. Yeah. And they're, they, they definitely make fun of that trope, too, in that movie. Okay, I don't remember them doing that, but I, I'm sure they did. Yeah. Um. So so Randy says never have sex in a in a yeah. horror movie. Meanwhile, Billy and um Sydney are getting it on, yeah. and she will survive. So they're like breaking that rule yeah. in this movie because she's no longer a virgin. Even though the whole movie they keep hammering how she's a virgin, right? Which is also a fun like reversal of tropes. Yeah. Then number two, he says never drink or do drugs. To which I love all the kids who are there are like, boo, yeah. no, no, no. Well, they say like that about sex, beer. too. Well, yeah, That's they do. That's funny, but um, yeah. And then he says, never say, I'll be right back. And then Stuart, Stuart says, I'm going to go get another beer. You want I'll one? I'll be right back. Yeah. And um, and then when he says, the, then Randy says, the next time I see you, it'll be in the kitchen with a knife. And the next time he does see... Stuart. Stuart, he's coming out of the kitchen with a knife because he's in the ghost face yep. mask. So he was right again. Yes. Like mostly all of Randy's things that he says come true or they're purposely breaking those rules. And it boggles the mind because this whole movie is referencing movies. And and you you know when you're when you're watching a movie suspension of disbelief, you know, you were buying yeah. into everything like this is all happening in this world. Okay, but this world is now a movie. And I know right, I'm right. like really reading. I'm not. No, you should. Yeah, but it is like Jordan. We are one hour and fifty uh, <laughs> minutes into this. If you're not going to bring up this point, well, I think I brought it up. You can in bring our it other up. two recordings of this episode. <laughs> um, but meanwhile, well, uh, Gail and Dewey have gone off mm -hmm. to look for a car, and I think that Dewey just said that there's a car out somewhere just so we can spend time with her. I don't think he actually knew there was a yeah, car. Yeah, I was a little confused at what I think it was just there. to spend time with her. And he has this very cute joke where he's like pointing up at the stars and he's like, do you know what stars star that is or constellation? And she says no. And he says, oh, I was hoping you knew. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just, that's just it is cute. Funny. Um, so when the whole after Randy does his rules, most of the kids leave to go get like more beer. So there is drunk driving happening in the yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, and because of that, they almost hit Gail and Dewey and they like roll off the road and they see Sydney's dad's car in the woods. Yep. So, so right now, if you're, if this is your first time, you're, you're probably thinking like, okay, dad is a murdered or B he is the killer. Yeah. And he like ditched yeah. his car. I don't know why, but I never thought it was her dad. I don't think I did either. I th I think I thought it was Billy until he gets stabbed in the next scene. Yeah. And then and then it's like I don't know who is doing this. And and there is part of me that's thinking, oh, maybe it's Randy. But then in this next scene, he's sitting there watching Halloween by himself, by himself. and Ghostface starts walking behind him, and he almost stabs him, but gets distracted. Yeah. And and I love I love the thing where he's seeing Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, and he mm -hmm. says look behind you, look behind you, and Ghostface is behind him, and then it cuts to the news van, which has a 30-second delay, and the guy's watching the screen, and he goes, kid, look behind you. Yeah. Look behind you. Just great. And, of course, you are thinking the same thing, so it's like layer upon layer upon layer. It's just so clever and fun. So 
uh yeah so sydney so so billy gets stabbed so that earlier in this episode we were talking about how you know they're dressing after having sex and sydney is saying who was your fir- who's your phone call to says his dad she says no the police called your dad oh right 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 and he says no i th- i did call him but it went to answer to the answering machine yeah and she says something like hmm okay and he's like when are you gonna stop like suspecting me of this yeah and like immediately next second he gets stabbed and is killed by Ghostface. yeah and sydney runs out the room running through the house fighting off Ghostface, gets stabbed in the shoulder um yeah and then like makes it outside and she oh i don't know i don't actually remember when she gets stabbed but she makes it to the news van where the guy is and um he's been killed well no does he get killed before or after? I don't remember. Well, Ghostface. We watched kills... this like twenty days ago. I, I know. <laughs> so Ghostface kills him, the the camera guy, and I've always felt so bad for that guy because he's just doing his job, albeit he is being lazy in terms of like not really doing anything, but also like, you know, he could just say I shouldn't have been there that night. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. So he gets killed. Sydney gets chased back out of the car, goes into Dewey's car, and then gets back into the you know just a lot yeah. of location changes running around things happening so now let's talk about like the climax no let's keep talking about where she went <laughs> after the car or are you serious no i'm joking but oh, it, is, okay. it is worth mentioning she goes back to the house and randy comes out uh-huh um and says that he's trying to he it's him it's him like he knows it's Stuart. i think yeah so then Stuart starts chasing her I yeah. remember. And then I know it, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. At one point, Dewey is like, you uh-huh. think he's dead on the porch. Yes. And that's that and then we get to the climax. I'm just trying to I'm trying to get there, but trying to do a body count kind of thing. Okay. Like, like okay. Dewey's down for the count. Randy, I think, is seemingly down for the count as well. Now mm-hmm. we're in the kitchen. And so this is when it's all revealed. Yeah. Billy walks in. And he says Mm, corn, corn syrup. syrup yeah oh actually i, I like he, he comes in because randy's there and randy says something and then he quotes psycho billy quotes psycho yeah um and then shoots randy and then he quotes another horror movie that i can't remember right now that was like good writing yeah this is a terrible episode of our podcast? Yes. No, this is a good episode of our oh, okay. podcast. This is a great episode. We're being I just very wish thorough. I could remember what he said. But we don't have to cover every line. Bye, Michael. Let's go to the kitchen. So we're in the kitchen, and this is when we've kind of talked about it throughout. Yeah. But w- this is when you find out who the killers are. It's Stuart, it's Billy. They've been working in tandem. It's a great twist. Not only have they been doing it, they killed her mom. They killed her mom, and it's almost the anniversary. Or no, that night it is the anniversary yeah. of her mom's death. And and they're kind of motiveless. Like, they do have motives, but they're loose. Yeah. And that's so much scarier than if they did have some motives. Which motive. is exactly what they say. Yeah. I mean, now I feel like we're going to be rushing over, like, the, the coolest part about this movie. But I we have talked about it throughout this episode a lot. Yeah, so they, they bring out her dad, who was duct taped. Yeah. And he's basically been kidnapped ever since he probably left the house that day to go on his trip. Right. Um, And they put the voice recorder and of his cell phone in his pocket yeah to frame him yeah um and then they're still going back and forth about their, how how amazing they are this has been all perfect oh and then they have to stab each other 
because, oh, right, 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 because right. they're the two, they're the two they're going to be the two survivors. And much like the opening scene of this movie, you're like, oh, this is fun, this is funny, this is crazy. And then when they start stabbing each other, it's like, oh, this is gnarly. Yeah, this is this uh, gets real. Yeah, and the score up. is really great. Yeah, because well. again, it's just very for for a movie that's been like pretty fun. Yeah, most of the time, like the beginning of the movie, the score is just like, oh, I want to cry right now. Like yeah. this is just. It's intense. intense. It is really intense. So yeah, and it's it's just you feel it too. I just feel yeah. like so. And I'm so glad the MPAA prevented them from having moving blood because that would have been too much. Maybe it would have. <laughs> just kidding. But <laughs> Billy stabs Stuart first, and it's just the way the acting is so like, good. Dude, I think you cut me too. Ba- I think you stabbed but too deep. But they stab each other more than once. Yeah, like they do it a lot. But they're like, but make sure you got to remember it's the side, and it's got to be quick. Like they've. They've thought about They've it. They've researched but it how also, to stab someone not fatally. It's like, it, I feel like it's also kind of playing on and commentating on this kind of like masculine one-upsmanship culture Yeah. of of like, come on, let's do it. Like it's, it has like a football locker scene vibe to that, it, that, you know? That and they're such big sociopaths, the both of them, they think that they can stab each other and not kill each other. They think they're that good and that yeah. invincible that they can just get away with it. They think they're Michael Myers. Yeah. Um, but then eventually the tables turn. Sydney gets away. Sydney gets away. And she, I think, has, I don't know, whatever. But she, she at one point puts on the mask, too, and stabs She also takes Billy. the voice thing. Right, and she, like, terrorizes them. Yeah, so she calls them and says she's called the police. Yeah. And then they're they're done. They've been had. And, and I think that's also a pretty good reversal, because most horror ends with like we escaped or we killed the thing but like she starts toying with them yeah which is fun yeah um she stabs him with the umbrella and apparently really hurts the actor (laughs) yeah so he's he's down for the although that was the stunt woman that did that wrong stunt woman so um billy is down for the count and then stewart gets stabbed and dies does randy kill him um because Randy's not dead, Dewey's not dead. Shocker, yeah. everybody. But then, like, Gail comes in at the last moment with the gun. Yeah, and, and she sh- she shoots... I think... No, she shoots Billy. I think Randy's just, like, passed Sydney out. Sydney shoots Billy. Because Billy, It doesn't matter who I know, shoots but, who, but... but it's the, the, I know how interesting is this. <laughs> so, Billy is dead... But they, they they say another horror movie thing. Well, oh, yeah. I think Randy's Randy like, says, this is the moment where he comes back to life. And he and does. And then he does, and then Sydney shoots him in the head. Yeah. And then and then what I love about a lot of horror movies is they're like, okay, over. Yeah, I <laughs> know. It, There's like, no, like, Sydney in a couple days at someone's yeah. funeral or nursing her injuries. She just lives. And then it's like, it shows her house and like news cameras and you're hearing like news footage. And then it's just like directed by Wes Craven. Boom. We're out. I love it. <laughs> it's so great. It, it's nice to have wrap up sometimes. But, yeah. But, well, but it depends know, on the movie for sure. But, but to but, have the, the moxie to not have it. Great. It's nice. Yeah. I mean, when you're, con- when you're confident in it. Cause yeah. remember we watched, um, uh, lights out a couple of months ago yeah that and was a bad use of that yeah because it ended and it was like whoa wait I- so many people just died who were major players in this movie i need explanations yeah but it is a first movie and it's still yeah. like that's and for a first movie insane for your first movie really good yeah big recommend people on hulu now if you like horror big recommend 
But um, okay, I think we did it. Ugh. Did we do it? I think so. Let us know if we did it. Um, yeah. Let us know by rating us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, five stars, of course. Um, and even if you don't have time to write a review, just hit the five star. It takes one second. And if this is your first time, it usually doesn't take us three days to record one episode. Life just got in the way. Life got life finds a way. It See does. our Jurassic Park series. Um, Not recorded over three days. <laughs> no. Uh, but what I also want to say is tell us about it on our Facebook group, the Macaw Podcast Universe Pandemonium. And there we have a... We have a select, you know, you, you get on there and you can talk about movies. It doesn't have to just be the series we cover, but typically the conversations have been relating to the movies that we've covered. But get on there, join in the conversation, join in the fun. Um, happy Halloween. I don't know. This is coming out, I think, like the second week of October. Nice. And I think we already plugged Patreon like three days ago on this episode. So, nice. uh, Thanks for listening. Next week, it's Scream 2. Are you excited to hear more rambling? Well, Scream 2 is crazy. I mean, if you guys uh, enjoyed this episode and enjoyed the movie, if it was your first time, all Welcome. of these things we would like to know about. So yeah. get on Facebook, get on our Twitter, call us, text us. Here's our phone numbers. Just kidding. See ya. <laughs>